Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the movies from 1999 from here on top of our water tower in 2018. Amazing. 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 I'm your host, Kenny Nybart. I'm Phil Iscove. And today we are joined by Emily Fox, the creator of my all-time favorite television show, Hindsight. You're not biased, though. I'm not. No, no. It's just, that's just <laughs> no, my, that's just, that's that's just just my totally unbiased. That's yeah. not that's my unbiased that's just, opinion. That's, just, that's what you think. Um, her credits also include Lemony Snicket and Girlfriend's Got to Divorce. And I Can Do Them All. And Jane by Design and The Ghost Whisperer and mm-hmm. Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Gotta do them all. That's that's a, There are more. Wow. We just joined TV. Ooh, what oh, up? Shit. What up? Wow. And New York Minute. Yeah, there's no limits. And New York Limit. And New York Minute. And mm-hmm. did I get it all? I think that's those are all the, the those are the ones that we talk of and many deadline articles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously my former boss and one of my good friends. Oh, so, so sweet. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy to have Emily on. It really, oh. you should see the smile on my face. Yes. I know yeah. it's and for and for a movie that you both have an affinity for as well. I had yeah, not seen this really one before. Do. Yeah, no, so. I I had this is an uh, this is a big favorite of mine. I've been talking about this movie for a while. And it's yeah. like weirdly one of the only movies from 1999 you know nothing about, Phil. Or knew nothing about. I knew nothing about this film. Uh, I was, uh, I think I might have, I might have even said this on a previous podcast when we were throwing to this, um, to this episode. But I was uh, having lunch on a patio, uh, I don't know, like last week. As one does. As one You're does. It's so fancy. It's so, so fancy. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy next to me hears me talking about Outside Providence and literally was like, 
I'm sorry to interrupt you guys, but I love Outside Providence. It's such a great film. And I was like, I didn't even know that this was a movie that, that but people really like this movie. It really, it, it really resonates with people. Not that it shouldn't, but I just, it's kind of, it's a weird blip of a movie, I think, just in terms of, it's well, it totally of, flew yeah. under the radar. It's under the radar. It's it's not a very Fairly Brothers esque movie. No, but it you was. Know? It's in a way you can sort of see how the Fairly Brothers built sort of their brand. That un- you could always tell underneath it there was so much intelligence and yeah, so yeah. much, and they were so thoughtful. Yeah, heart. You know, and that yeah. this. I mean, I liked this movie so much. I went out and bought the book. Oh, really? Read the book. Yeah. Was, oh, we have an expert up, on the oh, podcast. Oh, come on, Kenny. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah. I mean, this is amazing. Well, I don't I don't phone it in. Um, but it's just it has um such pathos to it. It's really but at the same time, it's a bunch of stoners, yeah, you know, sitting on a roof and like some high. pretty uh serious meditations on death and like you know, mm-hmm. there's there's an existential kind of things going on in this film as well. Um, so a little bit of biographical information. Yes. Uh, where were you in 1999? I was here in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I moved here in 1995, incidentally, in the middle of the um, O.J. Simpson trial. Okay. Um, okay. Which. Everyone was coming out here then. I guess. I didn't. It, it was the weirdest thing because I didn't really. I couldn't pay attention to it. Like it didn't register really? with me as something I like, I understood that everyone here thought it was very important. I'm from Philadelphia, like m- murder trials are kind of very run of the mill. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I got here and I was like, you guys seem real, like preoccupied with anyway, it wasn't until like, <laughs> I want to say like last year when I watched, you know, the ESPN documentary and the FX series, right. that like it all sort of started to really, yeah, come together for me in my head, like why this is so important, etc. Well, that ESPN documentary was it was outstanding. Amazing. It was amazing. Um, but so I, I had as moved, was the show. Yeah, as was I, like, not oh, the, show, to the, the show. Was the show was so was great good. Yeah. They were a good. It was they good were, to watch them in tandem. Totally. Um, but so in 1999, I was still living here. I had um just segued from being like an assistant, as everybody was an assistant, um, to writing full time, mm. and um, I had my first writing job, and I was, I was sort of just starting to embark on a, like a real career that I was excited about and terrified of. And um, seeing movies like this was sort of like my homework. It was right. like my every, right. I, I got in the habit of every Friday going to see a movie, like at some point, like during the day alone, mm-hmm. just to sort of see what was out there. And I would see things that were a little bit off the, you know, not mainstream, just something odd and interesting. And they used to have this, um, I'm dating myself here, but they used to have a movie theater on the top floor of the West Side Pavilion before they built the big fancy landmark. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was this movie theater. It was across from the food court. It was as big as this room. It was tiny. This room is small. This room, this room is, room is small. small. And this was like each listeners. theater was like a little smaller. It was tiny. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was awesome. And they had really good popcorn. And <laughs> You could just go in. They had all the most interesting movies there, you know, uh-huh. interesting documentaries. And like back when we were allowed to watch, watch documentaries in movies, the theater, we go see a Woody Allen movie there. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I know yeah. it's like there's the name shall like, not be mentioned. Few people we cannot name. He there's someone coming named. up we're gonna have to talk about too. Uh, Jonathan Brandis, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Oh, I know. That, I didn't yes. realize it until the very end of the movie. This is actually our first Miramax movie post. Scandal kind of Ripley was 
also this, is this movie. But I mean, listen, we don't, but yes, yes sorry, we, yeah. In any event, that's where you yeah. went to go see all those movies. So, um, so that was my in 1999. That was like my your mecca. That was my mecca. Yeah, that, and that was I took it very seriously. I was like, this was film school for me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like watching this film, I was kind of hit with the fact that I this film wouldn't get made today. I mean, I don't I don't know where this film would land. I, I mean, mean, maybe it's, it's so sweet. Like it just has this. Yeah, it could get and made coming today. Of, it just maybe. wouldn't. It wouldn't get made for seven million dollars. Well, like this was this had a seven seven million dollars is not. I mean, that's not. This movie struck me as, you know, when Emily you were talking about, you were like getting started as a writer. Mm-hmm. This is a writer's movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. In that, like, this yes. is the this is the kind of movie you write or you try to write, and you and I both did it, Phil, because I've read yours and you read mine. When you you try to write when you're in your early twenties, yeah. yeah, you know, a movie about yourself, yeah. a mm-hmm. movie about love, a movie about fi- coming of age, yeah, high school, you right. know, it's their own little version of high school. It's a passion project, but also of- like some pretty deep shit, like yeah. deep shit about loss, deep shit yeah. about you know forgiveness and Parents and big and mistakes, yeah. and like they even you know they they even weave in um kind of clumsily, but it actually works better than it should, like social issues, yeah, a little bit, um. And the kind of things, you know, things the filmmakers just kind of wanted to say about this time in America. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this movie takes place in the mid-70s. I yeah. think, uh, 75? Yeah. I yeah. mean, to me, this movie was, this, if you could sort of trace the family tree of this movie, this movie's parents were Dead Poet Society and Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like this, Definitely. this rumination on high school life as being like a legitimate, like, source of story. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the movie doesn't talk down to or look down upon high school, even as they portray stereotypes, they're still all really like nuanced and interesting and like they have, they have six know, really or maybe like eight or nine really complex and well defined stoners. Yeah. Right. Like you, generally, <laughs> yeah. generally yeah. you have one stoner and he's the stoner. Yeah. Every one of this movie is a stoner, but you have a preppy stoner. You mm-hmm. have a you yeah. have you have Oh, totally, you know, right. disaster stoner. You have a dummy stoner. You have yeah. a secretly brilliant stoner. You have the, you know, the Saudi sheik stoner. Right. And mm-hmm. um, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I liked and respected that about the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, that the characterizations are, are are pretty solid. I mean, the, 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 the what's his, what is the guy's name? The the guy at the school who's like their, their, Thunderbird? Oh, Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird. Yeah, I mean. He gets a little cartoony. But, yeah. But he's, I think that for the most part, most of these characters, I mean, I would say that if I had one knock against it, it would be Amy Smart's character. Maybe doesn't get as much depth as I was, considering she's basically the only female character in the movie. I kind of wish that there was a little bit more shading to her. But she's great. And Amy Smart sells it. Like, she becomes mm-hmm. someone that you care about, even if there's not a tremendous amount of depth to what's going on with her. You're you buy into it, and not just because she's the object of affection, but just in general. I think that she. Yeah, and I also think like seventeen-year-old girls, like yeah. I don't know how much depth they have. Honestly, <laughs> like enough. I think it's. Fair enough. I would never I mean, say that, but you no, can. but I can say it because <laughs> I that. am one sure, and sure, I sure. was one, and you know, it's sort of no. I mean, I agree. She is a little bit of a like, you know, she's a little bit of a dream girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, she was so familiar. Oh, she felt. Like, I yeah. just was like. I know you. And very genuine. Yeah. So I felt like I was able to fill in a lot of those blanks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because I know that girl. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I know everything about you. I know right, your right, parents' right, house. Right, I know. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I and, also believe that she would be with him. 
which I think is a hard sell yeah. in this movie, especially because yeah. I think I love about this movie is, and you know, I, I can't think of another movie that does this. He's dumb, right? He's like outwardly dumb. Yeah. And occasionally it's the butt of the joke because like, it's funny, but he doesn't lose your respect as a character the way Drugs Delaney does, mm-hmm. right? And that's a, to me, that's a, like a brilliant little screenwriting move. Mm-hmm. So you want to have the, the joke of the guy who's not the smartest guy in the world, but you also wanted to maintain respect. So have a dumber guy. Yeah. It did it in Sopranos perfectly. Mm-hmm. Tony is not that smart, but you have Paulie next to him who's a big fucking moron. <laughs> Tony all of a sudden looks a little looks, smarter, yeah, smarter and you can respect him a little more because you know how dumb this world gets. Mm-hmm. So right. there's also, he's got a heart of gold is the thing too. Not that his sonar buddies are dicks or anything like that, but you really do feel like, well, I guess we're going to call him Dumpf. Yeah, right. Tim. No, dildo. Tim. Dildo. Dildo. You get the impression he wears his heart on his sleeve. Like you get the impression that this this kid has, I think, the best of intentions for the most part. Oh yeah, and you also like because you see where he's from. Yeah. And you see what his father is like, and you learn about his mother, and yeah. you're like, how actually, much he cares for his like, brother. If this kid mm-hmm. had had like an ounce of whatever discipline, if anyone had cared, like yeah. if he had could have been some gone to a good school, yeah. like he was just he was sort of hobbled by all these disadvantages. Yeah. But he was, like, his instincts were good. And I would argue, too, like, Drugs Delaney is an amazing character. I think so. He's like, a Drugs great is character. the only person who writes to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drugs is, like, is that letter amazing. is amazing. That's that's as good as he it gets. He takes the that kid. Is he takes Jackie on his... It's true. His, yeah. On his paper route. On his paper yeah. route. Yeah. Not... Not... In a safe way, but he did it. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I gotta way. take care yeah. of Jackie. I'm gonna yeah. drive around. I'm gonna get high. Jackie's... I'm gonna strap him to the back of the... He's honorable. He's honorable. It's a very progressive, it's a very progressive characterization of Jackie. Jackie is in a wheelchair, right? He's in a wheelchair, but that, and and they don't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. And they make a great joke in the beginning. He's on his paper of being pulled behind his bike. Right. By his bike. Um, But he's so three-dimensional. He isn't condescended to the whole movie. Nope. Um, He's treated, you know, he's treated like any other brother. And he's really like, uh, Sean Addison dumps mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. He also has a great zing at the end of the movie. What's yeah. the zing? The I might be the only one who graduates from. I might be the only oh. one. I, mean, I might be the one that graduates, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, but he's yeah. It's like uh, everyone around him had dimension, and they had like they just yeah. It's not condescending. It's just felt very much like. It was a lot too, like the um, Edward Burns had a bunch of movies that came out around that same mm-hmm. time that had a similar vibe where it's like, I'm from Long Island. I we're nothing fancy. Right, right, right. Like we yeah, speak with that. our accents and we have our ways and our code that we live by, like the Sopranos, like, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're just very faithful to it. Yeah, I mean, I think, and in that, what's interesting about that too is that saying that makes me think about well, then this makes sense for Miramax to release this film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you hear about how, so apparently the Fairley Brothers disowned this film after Harvey Weinstein insisted on numerous changes from the source material and recut the film in order to get it closer to There's Something About Mary, which that's a stretch. I'm not sure how you're going to get this film to that. So uh, rather than uh, the sort of coming of age that the original story was, and the final film ultimately was a flop with critics and and, and audiences. But um it's a movie that is loved. It's a movie that has a following now. And it also, I mean, it made back its money. But the reason I bring that up is why does why do the Weinsteins take a movie that is actually sort of similar 
to some of the, you know, the Miramax stuff that had been released and then try to manipulate it into something that it's not in the hopes of tapping into the something about Mary of it all just feels like it's at odds with itself a little. I mean, it is, but I think if you've got the, you know, you're trying to turn a profit, you're trying, you're trying to like sort of uh, capitalize on the Fairley brothers, newly minted brand. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are those dirty guys. Right. And like Raunchy. you just and yeah. you're like, well, I'm not going to have people come to a Fairly Brothers movie that's just like this sweet right. coming of age because then everyone's right. going to be like, what am I doing here? So it's almost like they were. I mean, you kind of with all of these things, you kind of go back and think like, OK, I'm sure this was a good sound and measured decision at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And like, you know, there was this great yeah. I read this great book, totally unrelated. I'm sure Kenny's going to be like, she's not talking about this. <laughs> but there's this book is it called the Goldfinch. No, oh, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Goldfinch anymore. You everyone can talk hates, about the Goldfinch. It's a coming Goldfinch. of age movie. It <laughs> is, but no, there was this um, book called I think it's called The Devil's Candy, and it was written by this journalist named Julie Salomon. Oh, wait, is this about? I think I know. What you're yeah, and it's it's basically she like wrote the expose on the making of the movie version of Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, I was thinking which, completely. Oh, I'd like to read been, that. It's fantastic. Have you told me about that? That movie it's is one of the notorious. that's one of my things I talk about all the time. Yeah. So I'm sort of like you must have heard me talk about it because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> but the um, it's a great book. But yeah. what it sh- it sort of shows you how each individual decision that gets made mm. at the time there's a there's a billion reasons why it's a good idea. Uh-huh. And even though in the end, like that movie was a disaster, yeah. and so many levels, and you and she's sort of like, and here's here's why, like, but. At the time, we cast this person because this other person, like they were supposed to cast William Hurt in the main role. Mm -hmm. But then Tom Hanks was coming off of like Splash. It was 89, right? It was like big. Tom Hanks was like the biggest star in the world and Tom Hanks wanted to do this movie. So even though it is not a comedy, like, and he is not that guy, he's not Sherman McCoy, but like, and William Hurt is 100% that. Like, and you just think about the cat, like different casting in that movie would have just, it would have just been a different movie. Well, and Brian De Palma is not the person you oh, get to direct right. that movie. Just like, yeah. <laughs> it's so, like it's, there's yeah. a bunch of mistakes it was that were like, made. But that's the thing. Yeah. It was like, but he was coming off of this, yeah. this, 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 yeah. and Kathleen Turner. It's like every, everything that they decided to do at the time was like, yes, yeah. this is a winning opportunity. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you can have a movie like A Bonfire of the Vanities that could just also kind of crippled the reputation of the book yeah. behind it. Like, yeah. I mean, I think this kind of happened a with a huge the, book, a huge book, yeah. like a, like a cultural moment yeah. that yeah. people like don't yeah. really talk about the same way. I think this kind of happened with the road too. Mm-hmm. Where sure, like the sure. road was like before the movie was made, it was enormous. It was Pulitzer winner. It was, yeah. It, was, yeah, it was a huge book. You know, I think, I think, uh, you and McGregor just made that, um, Phil Broth movie. Oh, American pastoral. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people have been also, trying to make for 50 a, yeah. years. And like, right. a, now, it's I tough. think they could remake Bonfire of the Vanities now. I think or they could make it. Well, they, they'd they, have to do it as like an HBO miniseries or something like that now. Yeah, but it'd be amazing. It'd be, it'd be cool. amazing. It'd be super cool. And because I think now I think you could yeah. really, now it's like you you've got it. enough distance and time that like the 80s feels like a thing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? yeah. And it doesn't it just feel. Just memory wipe that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And just start from the beginning. Oh my God, cool. this, so, I mean, like seriously. tomorrow. What are you guys doing tomorrow? <laughs> in the, in the I, I, got, uh, I got I got something great coming tomorrow. I got paper mache at school. <laughs> oh, that's him. Well, when you're done, 
But I feel like every Tom Wolf book is like 700 pages long. So I thought you were going to say, I feel like every day Kenny's doing paper mache. Well, that too. I was yes. <laughs> and so is Tom Wolf. <laughs> is Tom yeah. Wolf still alive? Yeah. Still alive? In a white yes. suit. In a white suit and a cane, yeah. top yeah. hat. I saw him. I walked right past him on the street one day <laughs> okay. in like a canary yellow suit. Oh, off brand. God bless shirt. him. <laughs> canary. It was really pale yellow. It was a beautiful suit on I like do a love rainy how, like, day. And I was like, that is a bold choice, sir. Zero fucks. Tom Wolf gives zero Man. fucks. I mean, for a long time he has, which I kind of I respect. Yeah, it. Like, he just doesn't care. respect I'm for the guys who wear suits every day when they don't have to like Paul Feig. Wears, and uh, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan wears a suit every day on to work. Su- on set. On set. It's a cool move. Yeah, I'm cool with is that. Is it? <laughs> That's fine. I um, want to be comfortable Maybe it's an set. affectation. Who knows? It might be. Let's talk about the Farrelly Brothers a little bit. Yeah, so this was. This comes just a year after. There's something about Mary. something about Mary. This is the fourth film that had their that they were involved with. So they wrote, directed, produced Dumb and Dumber. One that, of, was that their first movie? One of the great American films. Dumb and Dumber is a great comedy. Truly, one of the great American films. <laughs> Do you don't agree, Emily? No, never seen it. <laughs> so this is going to be that. So you're a Fairly Brothers aficionado. That can't be real. You've I've never, never seen, seen it. Dumb and Dumber. It's a funny movie. I mean, watched, I've seen like pieces of it. Has Peter seen it? I'm sure. That's Peter? my husband. I, I yeah. just and a very fairly guy, Peter Fairley. <laughs> Peter Fairley. And, oh, and I tell you, I'm married to Peter Fairley. Peter Fairley. That's why I'm here tonight. Yeah. You've never seen it. Wow, Kingpin. I've seen Kingpin. I'm not a fan of that movie. Really? Nah. I here's like the, that movie the truth. a lot. Never admitted it before. I'm only telling you guys. Don't tell anybody. Never, okay. never let this sure. out of this room. I walked out of that movie. What? I hated that movie so much. I walked out of it. When did it come out? 96. So you were 13? 14. 14. I saw it at camp. It was like, this is what <laughs> happened. It was the second to last night at camp. We get to see a movie. It's a big thing, right? Uh-huh. They take all the seniors to the movie. That's like 50 kids. We had three choices. I don't remember what choice one was. Choice two was Kingpin. Choice three was Super Cop with Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. which was an, oh, an overdubbed. Yeah. yeah. No, you made the right choice. Right, right. You made the right choice. I walked out of Kingpin into Super Cop. Wow. And didn't miss a beat because Supercop, you know. Supercop was Supercop. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've, I've never come around on this, and I feel like yeah. some people are not going to be happy I think about you, I think I think you should rewatch Kingpin. I just all remember is like her with the fingers in her mouth and the- Don't worry about that. I don't okay. really, I have no memory of it. I think The I Amish like stuff, it doesn't really like, play. Right. Yeah. But the, the Woody Harrelson, uh, Bill, Murray Bill Murray shit really works. And then their third movie is a, also one of the great American movies, Something About Mary. Like I truly well, that think, movie is fantastic. Yeah, I truly think Dumb and Dumber and Something About Mary, two of the greatest comedies ever made. I would I would agree with that. So then, um, Outside Providence was made for them essentially, kind of a blank check movie. Well, so Kingpin was, uh, well, Michael Carenti, the director of this, was involved in Kingpin in one way or another. I think he may have produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside Providence was directed by Michael Carenti. Mm-hmm. He yeah. also was one of the writers. There's a fourth credited writer. Um, don't know his name, but. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he's great. His name is Randy Finch, was the fourth credited writer in this. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, this movie kind of came out. And weirdly, after those three big hits and big critical hits, too. Um, was I the, mean, this feels like, you know, they, they definitely cashed some checks to do this in terms of, like, clout. It was obviously a book, which I would love to talk about the book and how right. similar it is to the book. But it does feel sort of like... I'm going to flex my muscles and I'm going to get this movie made that is means something to me, Peter, I'm speaking for in this, in this equation. And I, I also just feel like it's relatively low budget. I mean, $7 million is, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's sizable, but, it, but it's not huge. I, I guess my question also is whether or not this was 
financed by Miramax or if this was like an acquisition of some sort? I don't know the answer to that question. So there's a part of me that wonders if maybe just Miramax distributed this film, which is something that back in its day, that was a big thing. Like Harvey would buy films and then just like cut them and do whatever the fuck he wants with them and then distribute them. Right. So I don't know if that was this. I don't, I can't speak to that. I mean, it seemed to me like I don't, this movie doesn't have the feel of having been like recut and sort of murdered in the process. Like it still has all that heart. It still has those beautiful montages. Like it's very sentimental. I agree. Um, And again, it's like, you could see how, again, how everyone's in the moment thinks this will be a great idea, but it definitely was fitting into at the time, a very fashionable type of movie, which was like Brothers McMullen. It was the, you know, there were just a lot of movies. I mean, I would say that they were all like sort of the predecessors of sort of that mumblecore kind Absolutely. of like, here I, I am with that. like a, mm-hmm. I've got an iPhone in my Brooklyn apartment. I'm going to make a movie about me mm-hmm. and my girlfriend. Like this was, sort. this was, this begot that. I, f- I totally agree. Watching it, I was sort of hit with how it's very shaggy. It has mm-hmm. sort of this like just kind of hangout yeah. movie, yeah, which is very kind of Richard Linklater as you know, Days and right. Confused, and and the Days and that and sort Confused of, thing was pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, I definitely felt that. This, but this, is, as we said, is based on a novel. The novel was written or published in '88. Yeah. Okay, so, it was a, so, oh, so it's that's, yeah. So 11 predated, years. Yeah. you right. know, predated Days and Confused. Um, it also, you know, it was um, it was Peter Farrelly's thesis mm-hmm. at Columbia. Mm-hmm. So it really is that that yeah. all from all heart, all heart, yeah, movie that uh, that he did. It does seem like they did cash their checks. I to make. I I certainly felt that, and I think it was worth it. I think it's like a. I totally it's such agree. a lovely. It's, it's like it's a, really such a weird nice thing movie. to say about a movie that's you know there's a character named Drugs Delaney and there are jokes about the handicapped and there you know one character is called Dildo and then you have a, a you know a scene where four fathers, one of whom's played by Richard Jenkins, who's the least. Believable gay basher of all time, gay bash George yeah. Went, yeah, and kick him out of the room. But it really George is, Went also not my the first person I would think of as being gay. No, and that's the which is which is I know the, it's a yeah he's like point, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It's, it's great. Lovely. I, I don't know yeah. how like yeah. his little those scenes are great. There, all those, those scenes with those guys scenes, are great. Those are if, like a master class yeah. in like how you should film a poker game. Like yeah. they are so, so good. good. So good. Yeah. And Alec Baldwin is. Awesome in this movie. He really is. He's such a like the pain he's feeling like when he I had forgotten about that scene where like he goes and like gives the kid the martini. Yes. Mm-hmm. When he's gotten back from Florida and he's yeah. really first upset martini. with him. Yeah. Is this your first martini? He's like today. Yeah. <laughs> and like it was and like that they don't have that like big like stupid shitty hug where it's like oh, I forgive you. It's like they don't yeah. even go there. It's like they have the conversation. It's a great scene. And then they leave. It's awesome. Yeah, there's something about, I mean, Alec Baldwin is perfectly cast in this movie. He has sort of this mix of anger and humor that kind of leaves you in a place of not sure if you're supposed to be scared or laughing, Mm -hmm. which is great, especially just in terms of the fact that you kind of feel Tim's fears of his dad mixed in with this, obviously loves his dad. It's it's his dad. There's just, there's some really interesting complexities to that relationship. It's also just perfect casting. Oh, yeah. Because Alec Baldwin at this time, so Alec Baldwin, you know, obviously we've talked about Beetlejuice in the past. Yeah. We're 10 years removed from Beetlejuice. He hasn't made anything close to a comedy since then. Not right? Really. What he has made is Langary Gillen Ross. Mm-hmm. Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October. <laughs> yeah. Malice. Yeah. I mean, these movies where he's like yeah. 
varying degrees of sociopath. Right. Yeah. Smoldering right. leading man. Yeah. Slash. Right. Sociopath. Like, sociopath. Basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically like young, you know, like, like the 80s version or yeah. 90s version of Patrick Bateman. Um, and to put him in that role, mm-hmm. he brings all the Alec Baldwin stuff up to that. And he also winks at or, or, or presages the Alec Baldwin that we know now. Because mm-hmm. yeah, this is really the first time when anyone saw him do anything funny. And he's not that funny in this movie. But he is telling he's, jokes. He's, he's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was pretty funny. He's got some mm-hmm. good jokes. He's got some, he's got some throwaway lines. I was, it was hard for me to unsee um, his character on 30 Rock. Yes, when I was yeah. watching Donaghy. this yeah. because it was just like Donaghy is the like fancy version of this guy, totally. yeah. but like yeah. condescending, brutal. Like yeah, he played like, that guy over and over again. He played ruthless. that in Along Came Polly. Yeah, yeah. He played that. He played a version of in The Departed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh God, he was funny in The Departed. He's funny in The Departed. He is. He's probably he's one of the best parts of the movie. Can you see movies? Oh, yeah, those, Kenny loves it. You know, I don't love The Departed. I only. It's. I would just skip from <laughs> I, Alec Baldwin scenes with Mark Wahlberg to Alec Baldwin scenes with Mark Wahlberg, and then I'm done with the movie. I actually, I also think you know Wahlberg <laughs> is the other good part of that movie. Yeah. If they should, but, I was like, why are we not watching a movie just with these two guys? Yeah. There was like, talk of them we, doing a, a like a, a, like a prequel, prequel about sequel. Wahlberg's character. He was, Scorsese was talking about it he, for a second there. Yeah, he's the only part of that movie I like. That and I like the score. I, but um, I think it's well shot. There, it, it actually is. <laughs> actually, it was a mess. It's like the con- You know, I'm a continuity monster. <laughs> well, we, oh, really? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I used to rail on this in the room all the time. It's, yeah. it's my it's my bet noir. This movie, but if con- Kenny, his goal with this podcast is just to make sure that America hates The Departed by the end of this. Yeah. Not yeah. this individual. We will episode. do a bonus episode at some point. Oh wow! Okay, can't wait. Uh, so. Uh, there's an alternate ending of this movie, apparently, on the DVD, mm-hmm. where Dumpf is leaving graduation, the graduation ceremonies. He meets Jackie and Clopsy, their three-legged dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, also showing up is Jake. Obviously, they have a three-legged dog. With an eye patch. Uh, also showing up is Jane, mm-hmm. whom uh, Dumpf shares a passionate kiss with, which annoys Funderburk, who wastes no time in rebuking Dump and Jane. Dump responds by punching Bunderberg, knocking him to the sidewalk. I don't know about all the the. the I'm glad they didn't do the that. Funderburg stuff, mm-hmm. but I kind of wish Jane did show up at the end because there's a little bit of off-screen. Don't worry, they end up together. I don't know. There was something I felt like I kind of wish we got to see her again. Now I'm not saying we needed this nonsense with him punching him and all that sort of like that's too pat for me but well i mean we see her when she comes back to tell him that she's been reaccepted to brown and then they have that lovely like campfire that really nice moment scene. yeah i feel like that kind of like i mean what i loved most about their relationship was that she has such a i mean it's it's odd for someone so young but she has such a maternal quality to her she does like there's all these like moments where she's like sort of cradling his head in her lap and it looks like the pieta and it's like Here's this motherless young guy who has had not a single female influence around him seemingly for his whole life since his mother died when he was, what, six? Something Mm -hmm. like that, yeah. And then here's this girl. And, like, the reason that he loves her is not necessarily because she's so hot and she is or she's so smart and she is and, like, all those things. But, like, she cares about him. And she gives him this sort of, like, very calm, motherly not unconditional love, but she's very forthcoming with it. She's not withholding. She doesn't manipulate him. She's not, she's sort of like, she's, she's buying what he's selling, which is like, (laughs) I'm a little rough around the edges, but I'm a pretty nice guy. Mm -hmm. 
I'll come smoke weed with you in the woods and like <laughs> he's, you know, su- he's super yeah. charming in their scenes too. Yeah. He is. Yeah. No, they're great together. They, they have I, I guess and I really loved that scene. Yeah. There's a there's a uh, there's a, a subtext that maybe I misread in that scene with them at the at the campfire that felt like they never ended up together. Because oh, the I voiceover Yeah. I was gonna but, say they probably yeah. didn't. No, I, I get that. Yeah. But what's weird is that the the last scene is them driving off and and Jackie saying something about how she's going to be Mrs. Dumpf or Mrs. Dildo or something like that. They kind of allude to them ending up together, which I found sort of like, if you want that ending, which again, like it's a happy ending. I'm fine with a happy ending that they ended up together. I just kind of wish that maybe I got to visually see that rather than have it sort of alluded to off screen. I think to your point though, the better ending would have been to leave them where they are in that campfire, which I think is a really beautiful scene and then just not have that weird dialogue at the very end alluding to them maybe in the yeah together. i mean the thing is like that dialogue to me like like smacked of adr like oh, it yeah. just sounded like and you <laughs> yeah, know i'm yeah. like adr is my bit noir because i can always <laughs> hear it like i don't yeah. care how well it's sound mixed i'm like look mm-hmm. like you just dropped that in there and there's yeah. a couple moments in this movie that are like oh thanks for the adr which now of course <laughs> it's like probably harvey being like yeah, ah, we don't understand like yeah. give Hold some, our hands you know stick yeah. a line in her mouth when you're on her back. Um, oh, God. But it's just like, and it's funny because it lets them come back to the, hey, we got one of those in Providence. Like, they're just trying to get back to the joke. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they were thinking like. That's a funny It's like, joke. we know those two didn't stay together. The first, well, the first yeah, time, yeah, they, the first time they, they, they say that, Brown, we got one of those in Providence. That's a great joke. It's a great joke. Yeah. And then you want to bring it back and because it's like. You know? Well, now like the you know that now the now he's the smart one, right? Now right. he's learned just a, just a little bit. So his dad's dumber than him, but that's right. Yeah, it's hysterical. So the synopsis of this film for the people that might not have seen this movie uh, in this coming of age comedy, Tim Dumphy, played by Sean Hattesey, is that how you say his last name? I think so. Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, it's Hattesey. Is leading a go nowhere existence, spending his days smoking pot and hanging out with his best friend Drugs Delaney. But Tim's lazy days are getting. Do you have high. a lot of friends named Drugs? Do I? You have more than one friend named Drugs. I didn't write this. Google wrote this. No, no, no. no. Oh, there's the, that's the oh, yes, Dean yes. says, like, you know more than one. <laughs> you know more than one, yes. Uh, but Tim's lazy days of getting hired, jettisoned after a brush with the law, convinces his blue-collar dad, played by Alec Baldwin, to send him to a Connecticut prep school. Mm. The one saving grace of the new school is Jane, Amy Smart, a fellow student. Tim falls for immediately. That's sort of okay. the general That's lie. the movie. That's, that's the movie. That's what Google has to say. I mean, you know, well, Google, um, if I can correct you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> You no, know. I'm correcting Google. This yeah. is like, I mean, I thought what was so interesting about it was that like, he gets this, he gets in trouble with the, he, he's in a car and the car drives into, into this a cop car, cop car, which yeah. is like a nightmare. Yeah. And the, the George Went character like pulls some strings with some judge that he yeah. knows because mm-hmm. everyone in Rhode Island is knows totally he, corrupt yeah. and everyone knows right. a judge. Oh, well, every white guy knows each other, which I totally believe. I it's, totally the same, totally it's, it's the same that. white guys playing poker right. who are involved with the someone courts. Someone knows someone who knows Buddy Cianci and we're just going to take care of this. Yeah. And everything's back channel Amazing. and whatever. Okay. So then they have this, they make this deal with the judge that instead of getting sent to juvie or getting put on probation or whatever they were going to do, they're going to get him a spot because he's bright or mm-hmm. whatever and they're mm-hmm. going to get him this spot at Cornwall Academy. And like, you know, it's it's sort of what's nice is that the the movie doesn't have that like big sort of like swelling, like finding Forrester, like, oh, this is going to no, change sure. your life and you're going to become like a genius. And it's like he graduates and he's like still pretty rough around the edges. Yeah. Cornwall Academy didn't change him. 
And that's what's so beautiful about it. He still does something heroic. You know, he still almost throws Jack Wheeler off the roof when he finds out what he did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a narc. Yeah, Yeah. he's still like, he's, (laughs) and I had forgotten, like, when I was rewatching again this last weekend, I forgot what that, I was like, what did that kid do? I forget why he turned them in. Like, what was the bargain? It made sense. I guess he, yeah, he wanted Yale. to. Yeah, he yeah. wanted. He yeah, got he, Thunderbird he got to write letter. him a. But it's it's such a great little. It's I, a great turn because you don't see it coming. You don't see it coming. You yeah. all, you're 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 duped. You're yeah. conned because yeah. in the beginning it does feel like this James Spader guy can't be <laughs> good, right? Because right. that's how it feels immediately. Like yeah. right. he's nice and he smokes with him and he immediately becomes. You can't just be all good, but you're. I think it is. I think it's good. Yeah. But you know, your yeah. your initial instincts were right that this guy is a spader. Which is great. Deep and deep down. Mm-hmm. And um I love that. I love that hiding in plain sight shit. Yeah, it's great. Um Yeah. I loved that character. That character was like he just embodied every he was like every guy from Emily, did you go to boarding school or you- No, I didn't actually go to board. I went for one summer to check out to see if I liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and you I was, loved it? No, I actually, I learned a lot. Like, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, it was, the I think it was the summer before ninth grade. Okay. And I, I had sort of been considering it and batting around the idea. And I think the idea was like, okay, go spend a summer mm-hmm. doing basically like summer classes. Um, and I went to St. George's, which is in Rhode Island, outside of Newport. And um, it's a beautiful school. It looks like Cornwall. And it's okay. like, you know, you're right on the water. And it's very, you know, very posh. And, you know, a lot of fancy buildings and fancy a lot, kids. A lot, of, a lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts. A lot of skeletons. And it was, it was a... <laughs> It was a learning experience. You know, you learn, it's like, okay, this is this is what boarding school would be like. You know, they had the lights out and they had rules about girls being in the boys' dorms and right. vice versa. And there were rules about drinking and rules about smoking. And everyone just like blatantly and flagrantly broke the rules sure. all the time. And there were just like, there was a lot of social jockeying. It was very, very complex and frightening for mm-hmm. a 13-year-old kid. Like mm-hmm. I was not in any way, like I was sort of on the outside looking in, but it was, it was the most, one of the most educational experiences I had. Socially. Socially. Yeah. yeah I don't know what I learned. <laughs> I remember like, I, we read Equus and I was like, oh, that's, oh, it seems difficult. It's like the weirdest play. But anyway, so we, uh, but that, so I've, I've, I've sort of experienced it in, in an amateurish kind of mm-hmm. like a, like I was a, like an, almost like an exchange student. It's like, what is this boarding school? <laughs> but it's sort of exactly what you think it's going to be. So every yeah. time I see a boarding school portrayed authentically, mm-hmm. I kind of think, oh, someone, someone did went this. There, someone went there. Yeah. You know, that's, I'd like to see, uh, every boarding school I can think of that has been portrayed on screen mm-hmm. is the same. Like, they all feel the same to me. The headmaster's always, headmaster's always a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always sneaking around, mm-hmm. right? They're they're always wearing uniforms. It's always very formal in school. There, there's all this litany of rules that get read right in the be- always these litany of rules that get read right in the beginning. They always break those rules. Um, it's a little more highfalutin than your normal school, like Deadpool Society is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. But still, like there's this 
I mean, I, there are little moments in this movie that's so good. You would never see this in a in a public school mm-hmm. movie. You would never see. Let's go around the table and say our favorite author. Um, Hemingway. I love how Hemingway. happy he is with Hamlet. Though. Yeah, I know. When he says it, he feels like he goes he's Hemingway, Salinger, it. Faulkner, Hamlet. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. it's just uh, it's great. With that, you know, that's that's. So I actually think like I would like to see a different portrayal of boarding school. Sure. Somewhere. Sure. Yeah. And, and as I far mean, as I can tell, there's never been a TV show about boarding school. I mean, there uh, have, but they're always like supernatural or something. Yeah, they're they're agony because they're they're boarding school as conceived. Yeah. Yeah. By committee. A committee <laughs> in Burbank. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Of yeah. people who are like, you know what I bet boarding school is like? I bet it's a lot like Dead Poet Society. Like, you know, like cruel intentions or when it's like they're yeah. just it's like a cartoon mm. version. Uh, I'd watch that. No, Cruel Intentions is amazing. But, like, I do think, like, there's – the realities of boarding school are that it's it's a lawless society inside of, a, like, basically a prison. So it's yeah. like you're yes. just – it's just – That's right. It's, it's yeah. the Wild West, and yeah. there's so much drinking, so many drugs, so much sex. It's like – I know parents it's, it's, send their kids to boarding school thinking they're going to avoid that stuff. And it's, and it's I'm like, worse. You yeah. just gave them blanket yeah. permission yeah. to yeah. smoke and drink. Yeah. And You're get not laid there. The thing years. that's stopping right. them is, is you, you being there. <laughs> yeah. Now they're yeah. oh my god, it's crazy. Right. I know it's, it's not it's not a perfect analog, but my favorite scene in Wet Hot American Summer is the mm-hmm. day off. It's like like the yeah. day off in Wet yeah. Hot American Summer when they basically like are doing heroin. Yeah. Like that's the funniest shit to me because it's. You know? I mean, first of all, it's because I, I mean I went you, to summer camp. You for camp many, counselor? I was. Yeah, I was a camper at uh, Camp Erewhon in uh, Algonquin Park. I'm from Toronto originally. Oh, all right. Uh, and uh, as a camper, when your counselors go on their day off, in your head you think they're going and doing like heroin and doing crazy shit because you don't know what they're doing, and then. When you go on your day off, it's drinking primarily, but it's just, but you, it is, it's being like let off the chain. But you are trying to fit as much into oh, it's 24 crazy. hours yeah. as you can. As you like, possibly can. I mean, I, we, we, we would get wherever we were going yeah. and immediately just start pounding shots yeah. and just getting as high high as we can get. <laughs> well, we had a, t- a small town called Huntsville, which was, I think, about 40 minutes outside of our camp. So you drove there and you had, you know, however much time, as you're saying, which is like probably see a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, we always saw a movie. Oh, we saw a movie. It was 1999. Well, for me, it was 1997. <laughs> but, uh, it's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's Titanic, Goodwill Hunting. No, I saw Contact. I saw Men in Black. Contact High. I saw um, My Best Friend's Wedding. Love it. Those are pretty good, pretty good term movies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it is... To your point, like you're jamming every second you can into that day off. And that's every day at prep school. Yeah, I'm Basically, sure. Basically, yeah. I'm right. sure. Um, so a little more context of the movie. I would say Providence opened on Labor Day weekend, September 1st, 1999, in 11th place. Yet another movie that opened outside <laughs> the top 10. <laughs> With $2.6 million. Uh, the only other movie to open that weekend, Cho Factor. Kenny's oh, man. Favorite film of 1999. Uh, and we know that it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. Terrible movie. What is that? Uh, Skeet Ulrich. And uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. It's basically speed in an ice cream truck. <laughs> that is, the, but like that—that that is the ta- that is the logline. But, but that's it sounds the most, better. That's the most generous. That's the best version of it. Oh my god! Where they have to keep I this wish bomb it was cold. Speed in an ice cream truck. Yeah, because that sounds like fun. Right. It's yeah. speed, it's not speeded like a Mister Softy's truck. It's speed. It's in a, a white tr- truck in a in a big truck that like a big like 
but it has meat like locker. a freezer. Wheeler, yeah. Yes, that has a meat locker in it. All right. It's just, I'm, it's like, I think and it takes, garbage. And movie. it takes place in the jungle and then like the like awful the desert. Tetons desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's brutal. But that's the only other movie that opened what, that weekend. What number did that movie? Did, did Chill Factor yes. open that? That's a very good question, Kenny. Um, there are only two movies that opened Labor Day weekend? Yeah, not anymore. weirdly. Yeah. That is weird. Uh, like, that's, oh, how times change. Maybe they didn't think people went to the movies back then. Maybe they, they thought people, like, loved their families or something. Or, like, that they were going to the beach. Chill or... Factor opened sixth with $4.5 billion. What was, was like, one through what five? was one through five? The Sixth Sense. Oh, okay. Number one. How much Runaway make, Bride. How much did Sixth Sense make that weekend? $22.8 that weekend. People go to the movies. Yeah. Runaway Bride, uh, $6.7 million. 13th Warrior. John McTiernan joined. We'll be doing that soon. Uh, 6.6. Bowfinger, 5.8. Thomas Crown Affair, 4.6. And then Chill Factor. Bowfinger is a pretty funny movie. Bowfinger is a great movie. Bowfinger is a good movie. Yeah. Sixth Sense is a good movie, too. Yeah. One of the best. Here's, so I saw Sixth Sense um, at like a, like a preview screening. Like it wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about it. Do you, don't, don't you have an M. Night story? I do. Do you want to tell it? I mean... It's not really my story. So I know him from growing up. Oh, okay. He's from Philadelphia. From Philadelphia yeah, because yeah. everybody's, everyone who's everyone from Philadelphia everyone. knows everybody who's from Philadelphia. That's just a fact. Used to hang out with M. Knight and Allen Iverson and <laughs> Ben Franklin. And Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, sure, Kobe. Sure, sure. Kobe. Kobe, of course. Kobe, of course. And Jellybean. Um, who else is from Philly? I think that's it. That's the whole list. That's, that's a good the list, list, though. Yeah. And, you know, it's a deep bench. <laughs> it's a good bench. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I knew him before he was M Knight, and, um, he, his name's Minoj and he, um, went to a school on the main line called Episcopal Academy, huh? which was, uh, basically Cornwall Academy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a day school, but like the most fancy schmancy cliche. Stuff. I mean, just <laughs> Fancy you kind of you couldn't stuff. conjure it up in your head, really, if you tried. It was like this is ridiculous. This <laughs> gorgeous campus. All the women, all the girls were beautiful and like had long, super straight blonde hair, and like they all had to wear like you know uniforms with the kilts. Were incredibly short, and um, the boys wore ties and jackets and looked like little bankers. And <laughs> amazing. And like I think Min- Minoj was like very, um to become something like I think he was like not he wasn't Jack Wheeler you know he didn't have like the blonde floppy hair and the pedigree and whatever and he was sort like of I'm like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna yeah get he was town. very much like I'm gonna show sure. you yeah. and then he did which was sort of like shocking but in every <laughs> interview that he did like I remember this so like vividly that he did some interview for Time or Newsweek or something and he took the interviewer back to Episcopal oh, like wow. to see his high wow. school and I was like dude Let's move on. Six Sense is a pretty good movie, but like I didn't know that I the twist totally got me. Yeah, I I went into it because like I usually can sniff out a twist right away. That was the only one where I was like, wait, what? That was fun. It was definitely a gut punch twist. We were just like, wait a second. Yeah, I I mean, I saw it. A friend of mine had seen it already, and he was like, you got to come and see this movie. And I knew nothing about this film. It was just a Bruce Willis movie, really. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, and I watched the film, and I was like, this is cool. In the end, I was like. Damn, it's a, it's you got a fucking me. twist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I had no idea. Yeah, uh, people love that fucking movie. You know which twist I saw right through? You know the answer to this? <laughs> Primal Fear. No, Crying Game. 
Oh. And like everyone had already seen it. And they were like, oh my God, there's a big twist. It's so yeah. amazing. It's the best movie with a big twist. So I go in. I think that's a hard twist to have seen coming at yeah, that moment in history. Well, that was the thing. Like the minute I saw that character walk on screen, I was like, oh, that's a man. Mm-hmm. Like I, there was something about shoulders, the walk, the th- like kind of a shadow of an Adam's. But it just didn't sure. dawn on me that that was a twist. anything other than, oh, that's a man. So when the the reveal happens, I was like, well, all right, good. Cool. What's yeah. the, the twist? twist? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. movie, yeah. I'm waiting for the twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe she's in the CIA. Like maybe there's like, I'm waiting for a twist. Movie ends. And I was like, grievously disappointed. Like there's no, what's the twist? Yeah. It's a pretty bad twist now. That twist doesn't yeah, age, now it's, it doesn't, doesn't it doesn't age, age very well. well. Yeah. It was Lost. such a shock at the time. It was like, it's kind of world stop. I mean, it's understood. I mean, that's 94? I think it's 93. 93? Yeah. And was, yeah. I mean, that's, that's 1993. That's a pretty, that's a pretty crazy thing. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, that was crazy. But you then know? again, I was like, because I was sort of, yeah. and it wasn't even like, I was like, oh, I'm so smart. I'm out ahead of this. I was like, did you not, it's yeah. so, How did, you not, did you not did put you this not together? See? That's right. part, yeah. Like that's part of the movie. Right. Yeah, that's been apparent the entire movie. Right, and I was like, okay, so he's in love with this. He thinks it's a woman, but it's a man. So, okay, good. And the sex scenes we don't see. Yeah. They are having homosexual sex. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's right. what right. sounds like. That made perfect sense to me. <laughs> yes. Um, so, outside Providence. Yes. Sorry. Right, of uh, course. Digress. Uh, one of the things that I was hit with pretty early on was how this has a real sense of place. Do you know what I mean? It really, You really do feel this sort of... It has kind of this perfectly dingy, kind of sad, kind of quality to it. Um, yeah, that, that you feel that house is so lived in. That house is so lived in. Those people not feel very real, very genuine. Um, so Whoever did the of, set deck on this movie did a great job because that is a house that hasn't had a woman's touch in ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. I, I wrote down. This is not the movie I thought it would be. It's a lot more soulful. Uh, it's about life. Not. It's about not letting life get away from you. That idea of sort of what did you think it would be? I mean, I thought, truthfully, I thought what I'm assuming Harvey Weinstein wanted me to think. I mean, it's got a goofy three legged dog and a and an eye patch. It's got from the from the creators of There's Something About Mary. I thought it was going to be a lot broader. I thought it was going to be a lot sillier. Um, you know, and 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 despite the fact that I agree with you, their comedies are from a place of heart. I mean, they feel like very heartfelt guys, I was not imagining a film that was this sort of, you know, existential and, and, and trying to sort of commentary on not, you know, mm-hmm. not being a fuck up, not being a burnout. You know what I mean? Like that's not, didn't seem like they're bag to me, mm-hmm. which is great. All of those things are why I like this film and are, are not reasons that I don't like their other work. As I've said, I think Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, and there's something about Mary are great movies. Um, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. So I, and, and I didn't, you know, have any idea what this movie is even about. I, I would also say too, like the title outside Providence, which means something when you've seen the film, I'm not sure is a title that draws people in either. If you look at their, um, their filmography. Yeah. It sticks out in how much it doesn't stick out. Like every other one of these movies Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, Something About Mary, Me, Myself, and Irene, Osmosis Jones, Shallow Hal, Stuck on You, Fever Pitch. You immediately get a picture in, in your head mm-hmm. of what that movie is. Yeah. And it's bright. Yeah. And you know who's in it. Yeah. You know what they're doing. Uh-huh. They're very easily distilled. This movie is not very easily distilled. No. Um, I mean, like, I could, I could tell you what all these movies are in one line. 
So it's so that's yeah, their really, log lines are very clear. Yeah, I mean the ringer, like you know, yeah, yeah. Johnny Knoxville tries out for the Special Olympics, done. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I, and I never even saw that movie. Mm-hmm. So like, this is I, I, it is a it is a really big surprise. I would imagine someone like you who had never seen it to even yeah. know that this is out there. I, I, I honestly had no idea that this film it existed. almost has like a punch drunk love quality in that a little you bit. Know, it's yeah. still it's still in line with their filmography. There's still some shared DNA. Yeah, but it's so much. Kind of, I, better is not the right word, but but so much more richer. grounded and richer. Yeah, and it's sincere. Yeah, it's it's you very know sincere. it's just got this like as as silly as it can get. You know, like the you know the letter the you know drugs as letters and drugs driving the van and the three legged dog and like and smoking just, up in the big tree and yeah. having right, the, 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 yeah. the smoke, smoke out. pluming out. Well, the the scene on the tower, which has one of my favorite moments in it, where. Um, Mousy says regarding California, they got babes and cars that don't rust there. And then Tommy says, "You fucking losers, go! I'm staying right here." And it mm-hmm. cuts to a wide shot of this depressing, like little town, right, mm-hmm. this- which reminded me of Days and Confused a little bit when they go mm-hmm. onto the water tower. Yeah. And um, oh my god, why can't I think of the Stoner's character's name in, in Days and Confused? But he's like, "Look at this fucking town, oh, was, man." Was that? <laughs> I think my, it was uh, it Rory Cochran. If I was going to say, is it Lucas, or am I thinking of his character in? Empire Records. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Yes. What was it's his not, name? Ray Cochran's name like, in Dazing Confused was um, Slater. Slater. Uh, he's like, look at this fucking town, man. And the shot almost feels identical. And mm-hmm. that just the the what's interesting is how with Dazing Confused, it's a judgment on this town, whereas in Outside Providence, I, I think Tommy's being completely genuine. He doesn't want to leave this town. He likes it here. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's sort of a heartfelt thing. He understands thing. it. And he understands you know? it. And it's exactly. just yeah. it's got like a it's it's uh I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of dance with the girl that brung me right like I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna it's the devil I know yep and and I'm safe here and I'm comfortable here and if I go out there I don't know yeah. what I'm gonna find yep well it's interesting because and I could fail out there whereas right. I know what failure looks like here and I'm I'm comfortable with that right I'm already a failure so yeah every up to Fever of Bitch which came out in 2005 every Farrelly Brothers movie starts in Providence. Or Rhode Island, and go somewhere else. That's true. Dumb and Dumber. They start in me, myself, and Irene. Rhode Island. He's a Rhode Island uh, patrolman, and they go it. somewhere so else. And Kingpin. They go somewhere else. Yeah. Something about Mary goes to Florida. They always go somewhere else. So that yeah. that that's very much in in their DNA. their heart. Yeah. Right. This idea of like, I love Providence. I need to see the world. Yep. You know, but I, they always go back there. Yep. Um, I don't know. I I love I love I love this movie in the in the context of the Farrelly brothers, you know, oeuvre mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's almost like, like a Rosetta stone of yes. who these guys truly right. are. Right. And it's sort of cool that you get the Rosetta stone as like their fourth movie. Yeah. yeah. It's like they had already established their vernacular. They had already become mm-hmm. a thing, the thing that they were going to be. And like, you were like, why is this different? Why is this? Yeah. I mean, this is such broad humor. It's so cheap, but yet, I'm laughing my head off and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And then you see this, then you see this Rosetta Stone and you're like, oh, it's because you're totally like brilliant and thoughtful yeah. right. and probably like pretty insightful and, you know, educated and all these things like that I never would have guessed. But then you're like, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's I- like how when you meet comedians who are in like, who are like the most like gnarly, awful people in real life. And you're like, oh, right. This is what they mean when they say comedy comes from pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, in this case, like comedy yeah. comes from like 
emotional intelligence. Sure. But like and honesty, yeah. And who knew? I have a I have a weird parallel for that that's come up on this podcast before. Uh John Grisham's well, the fourth John Grisham movie yep. was a time, time to, to kill. Because you held back. Which is sell that book. It's his best. It's the best movie made off a of John Grisham book, I think. It's uh-huh. also his best, like it's it's his it's most insightful. Yeah. It's the riskiest. Mm-hmm. It has it has the um it has the most resonant plot. It acts mm-hmm. the best, it has the best characters. And you if you were to watch them in order, in movie order, the firm, Pelican Brief, the client, they're all kind of nice. Yeah. And then you watch A Time to Kill and you went back and watched them. There's more going on in those three movies than I think you realize initially. I think it's the same thing going on here. I think something about Mary hints at a deeper, this idea yeah. that these guys have something really sincere and serious and romantics at heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. The end of something about Mary is so sweet when you think when she's going to leave him for Brett walking Favre. Away crying. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. And she leaves Brett Favre for. Favre? Yeah. <laughs> what about Brett Favre? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Niners fan. <laughs> That's um, great. And yeah. then the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I fucking it's, love that. The movie's movie. great. Um, everyone saying Dumphy makes me think of Modern Family. I know, me yeah. too. We've actually been watching a lot of Modern Family in my house lately. My 10 year old has just discovered it. Oh, and it's her good. favorite show. And it's, it's basically it's now great. all we watch, which is such a relief because now it's like, oh, you're watching a show that I actually also I can like. enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because they just had a, we just watched an episode where like, um, Bill is trying to get uh, who's the grandpa? Who does Ed O'Neill? Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. What's his character's name? His character's name is. is it's been a while. Now it's like I watch this every Something day. Something with a Pritchett. Um, let's see. Something with a it's Pritchett's last name. It is Pritchett. It is. This is weak. He's married to Gloria. His name is. It's not Frank. It's not Frank. Jay. Jay, Jay Pritchett. Pritchett. Anyway, so Jay. Can't pronounce Dunphy. He keeps calling him Dumphy. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when I first saw Outside Providence, I was like, Dunphy? It's like a hard name to say. Because Dun- you don't yeah. do N and F. That's it's not weird. a thing. Yeah, yeah. That's not a linguistic it thing. Doesn't, it doesn't roll naturally off. And like, you know, I, I have a really easy last name. So I'm always it's like, huh. like yeah. hard last names. I'm like, that's tough. It's tough. Don't you wish it was <laughs> yeah, I do. Everybody just there are times where I wish my everybody last does. Name. Yeah. Well, Iscove's not an easy name. Iscove. Yeah. yeah, I used to call you Icecove. Yes. A lot of people I think would everybody imagine told, yeah. Yeah. calls you Icecove. But like, I'm n- I don't have to spell my last name. Oh, I have to spell it. Oh. And like, it's Iscove. You have to spell. Are you kidding? What do people? Why do people fuck oh it up? God. The K. Iscove. They think they just can't. No. They just can't hear. It's just they it's, can't. It's, they can't it's, hear. It doesn't, it's not a word. It's it's because you know yours is an animal. Mine's you know like a mean? word. Like, an animal. It's a word. People are like, oh, I know what a fox is. Right. It doesn't mean anything. Nybar, no one knows how to spell it. No I, one knows the Jewish, not Jewish, the German I. Yeah. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Um. So one of the things I loved as well was the scene with the dads around the table early on talking about Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Which made me think of Dick. Yeah. Which me is too. something we covered with uh with, with Stacy. Uh, and it actually made me feel better about our current situation. Oh, did it? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Because uh, the equivalent sure. of those guys yeah. today yeah. would not be defending Trump. Would not be saying- No, I agree with that. Yeah, they wouldn't be saying this is a witch hunt, and yeah. the Jews are after him, and yeah. that kind of stuff. They just wouldn't talk about it. So the idea that, that yeah. those people back then were on Nixon's side, I think Trump is a, a, a far slimmer- percentage of the country. I would Nixon agree with that. Had. I mean, I think it's also interesting too, that like, 
but this also speaks to a little bit of you know the 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 rust belt that he was able to get enough of to win the election these guys feel like those guys i mean these are blue collar sort of, guys they're like new england guys and new england's in many places it's so liberal just in general right yeah, i think i think the default person in new england's pretty liberal right and that's i okay. think like a holdover from I mean, even just from the Kennedys, yeah. like who are still so sure, like mythical, sure. and you know, anyone. I mean, these are Irish Catholic like, guys. In, Irish Catholics in Rhode like, Island. They're, that's true. But that's but they're Irish Catholic guys in Rhode Island, and they were probably accurately portrayed as pro Nixon, whereas today, but he still peeled off a good amount of those. In the, I mean, Trump. If I'm not mistaken, Trump won Pennsylvania, right? No, he, he did. He but did. He did not win the cities, right? You know, it was like that's the thing. Like he won all like all that farmland, right? Pennsylvania is huge. Well, you know no, what it's they say. It's, you know, it's Pennsylvania. It's it's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and then Alabama in the middle. Yeah, which is horrifying because like, that's I know. <laughs> um, but it, it made me think about Dick. It also just made me think about the perceptions of Nixon at that time and of what was going on. It's also kind of a throwaway scene. It's mm-hmm. there to kind of give you context of like period as to where we are in the you know the, it's like the beginning of, of Donnie Darko. Do you remember right. how that starts? Yeah. Donnie Darko starts with Maggie Gyllenhaal. The first line of the movie is, I'm voting for Dukakis. <laughs> just to so, really make just, it clear. Yeah. Well, and her parents are like, uh, 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 you know, I mean, but. <laughs> I haven't seen Donnie Darko since back in the day. I feel like I should rewatch it. Yeah, I think I've only seen it in the theater. I, saw, oh, I mean, wow. I saw it literally when it came out and I haven't seen it since. I wonder I remember, how that would hold up because I was I crazy know. about it. It was. It's one of those movies that when you're like, when you're 21, you think it's the most brilliant yeah. movie ever right. made. It's, it's, oh my it's God. mind-bending, I, and yeah. it's like you've never seen anything quite like it. And, and like it hits all the right notes for me. It had that Tears for Fears on the soundtrack. Right. And it had like great sparkle. Drops. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. sparkle motion, which was so yeah. funny, and Swayze playing against type, and just all these little like yeah. things that just felt right to me on top of all the mind-bending Well, stuff. as I think I've said on a previous uh, episode, uh, it did not get a theatrical release in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, and if it did, it was very brief. I worked at several video stores in film school and uh, and in high school, and that was a movie that was discovered on video. So I'd get all sorts of college kids coming in and being like, Donnie Darko is the best fucking... That and Boondock Saints were like the two yeah. movies that like <laughs> they discovered, like right. they found Citizen Kane. So I watched Donnie Darko that thing around is, that yeah, time. That thing is such a double-edged sword. Some of those movies are amazing. And right. Some of those Straight to video Boondock movies. Yeah. People feel like they've discovered something, like yeah. they unearthed something. And so I watched Donnie Darko, and I remember being like, okay, this is interesting. But I also sort of understood why it didn't get a theatrical release. Like it has an interesting, an eclectic cast, but it's kind of a weird movie. Uh, and then Southland Tales, which has now got all sorts of people. There's a whole bunch of things online about Southland Tales, about how it was misjudged at the time and how there's something really interesting. And now they're talking about maybe doing a television show out of it. Like, I think that Richard Kelly's stuff is getting sort of re-evaluated in some interesting way. But anyway, I the, box is, the box is very bad. But um, or th- I never saw the box. Is it called the box or the gift? The it's box. The box. Yeah. It's a very bad movie. Uh, Southland Tales is a very good movie. Interesting. Southland Tales is super cool. Southland Tales. I'll um, just yeah. It, 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 it is kind of this Verhovenish. It's thing. crazy. Yeah. It's and a it movie that give like a shit. Yeah. It makes me think Richard. It's a serious blank check movie. Yeah. Well, it makes me think Richard Kelly had so much more to offer than he was allowed to. to well, show. that's he burned all his bridges with yeah. that movie, and then the box wasn't any good. Anyway. Uh, so <laughs> the boxes. Uh, off. Tim playing the bong, I thought was funny. Hilarious. Trying to play, <laughs> trying to play it like an instrument. Play the horn. Play the horn. <laughs> yeah, that was hysterical. it. Was it was fantastic. I, I really like that. Liked that. 
Uh, I loved that he kicked the dad kicks the dog out of the house every night. Yeah, but like they never, you never hear him say it. It's just you see the dog walk out, and it's just it's never revisited. It's just this is the guy that won't let the dog come in the house. It's sad. It's it's heartbreaking, but yeah. it's also like oh yeah, that's this family. It speaks volumes about this family. Yeah, I thought the most there are a couple of hammy moments that felt like not false exactly, but like felt a little. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't know, not totally necessary or maybe a bit on the nose. The flashback with the mom shooting the BB gun at the Christmas tree ornaments Mm -hmm. felt like, I understand. I see that we're portraying this kid as being haunted by this memory of his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And I liked seeing her and I liked seeing that happy moment. I mean, it was obviously very poignant. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the scene where Alec Baldwin helps him tie his tie. Yes. Yeah. Like that. Great scene. Just great scene. Destroyed me. Mm-hmm. I, I speaking of of moments that I'm not sure we entirely needed, but this felt like maybe the most. There's something about Mary quality was the jizz scene. Yeah. Um, it's the broadest thing that happens in the movie. I don't know if I needed it, but I don't know. I mean, I know that we needed to understand his name. I guess it works but, so well. Okay. It's, it's so mortifying, and I believe oh, it's, it's. I believe it's awful. It's, I, be, I really believe those fucking people would do that. Oh, to sure, a kid sure, like sure. that. And I believe that the school would be against him. I actually think they could have gone farther with that character. I liked Irving Waltham. Yeah, yeah, I liked Irving a lot, and I felt like that. I looked at that picture of Irving's girlfriend, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's me." <laughs> no, like, no, yeah, no. It was just like that's you know, it's fine. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> But then, like the when he gets to dump the ice over the kid's head, it's such a it's victory. So validating, it's yeah. so great. Yeah. He's just like he's finally come into his own, and he, this kid, you're like that kid's not really truly going to come into his own for a long, a long time. time. Yeah. But by the time he is a junior at Cornell, yeah. that kid is going to be you will not recognize him. Yeah, he needs the right group of friends. He needs the right yeah. group of friends. He, he needs a purpose. Mm-hmm. He needs a great activity where he can really shine. Mm-hmm. He needs the girl. You know. Yeah, and then he—you're right. He's yeah. one of—he's one of those people who hangs out with uh, Elizabeth Moss on Mad Men. Yes, you yes. know. Yes, he's at oh, he's at her parties. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then like everything's cool for him. Oh, right, like, it gets the guy cool. that she dates. Are you talking about that guy? Yeah, that guy was a little too hunky. But what's that guy's name? Um, a blank on his. The name. one that like eventually lived with her and, and that she stabbed. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, Stewart, something right? Um, oh, what's his Stuart. name? I can't remember his name now. 
We're, we're like really not doing. Well, it's, we're not doing. Check, no, check is, your magic box, but like is, I think this there's is the podcast. Yeah, where we're trying to remember everybody's names. Just the memory name podcast. It's like you know that guy that went out with I, that girl. Our listeners know. Right. They know. Our, they, they they're know. like saying at home. They're like yeah. you idiots. Melissa knows this for sure. Abe. 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 Abe Drexler. Who's Abe? That's Abe. Yeah. That's 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 the funny thing about. Mad Men had that funny thing, and The Wire had it too, where like you could never quite remember, except for a few key characters, you <laughs> never knew what anyone's names. name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. We used to, Peter and I used to play this game, and we'd be like, okay, what's the name of the district attorney? Yeah, forget that. Right, and we'd be like, we'd rack our, and the trick yeah. was you couldn't look it up. But in the moment, it's like a in the moment novel. you knew everybody, you know? Like, yes. Yeah, yes. you can go so deep on characters in The, the Wire, yeah. West Wing. Yes. Bad Men, Breaking yeah. Bad, Sopranos. Best shows. Sopranos. Sopranos, I know everybody's yeah. name. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess at this point, sort of Tim goes to Cornwall, and that's sort of where we're at story-wise, mm-hmm. it feels like. Um, the uh, the oil drum bong seems like a really bad idea. That giant. Yeah. Incredibly bad idea. But, but also, like, if it works. If it works, right? Yeah. I mean, but Pretty I just, I was, I was just thinking, like, this feels like it could backfire really. I liked that he found friends so quickly. That I do felt too. to me like it felt just sort of natural and like it, it didn't feel like ham handed or like. Totally, totally. You know, it was just real. That's sort of how you make friends at school where and it's he, like, hey. Sure. He's a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, kids like private, I mean, boarding school kids. Yeah. Would be interested in being friends with a real guy sure, from a sure. real place who's secure. Like I thought, and I actually think that's why the Amy Start Amy Smart relationship worked too. Mm-hmm. He's it. a real yeah, guy. He's a real guy. Yeah. I mean, like in you know, Dazed and Confused, for instance, the pretty girls are always dating the the roguish guys, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened. We talked yeah. about this in Idle Hands yeah. too. To you know, kind of a, a it sold it less well. Yes. Yes. But because Devin Sawa was such a dirtbag, no offense, Devin, you're my favorite. He, <laughs> okay. yeah. He's definitely listening. Definitely listening. Uh, there are two things, visual things that I love. The first was to, to get back to the oil drum bong. I love that that's inside a tree and mm-hmm. that the smoke is, there's just something very sort of, I don't know. It's a great wide shot of that smoke coming out of the tree, which I really loved. And and, then I, and those fucking trees are all over campuses like yeah, that. Yeah. And they're very proud of those fucking yeah. trees. It's a way to send it up a little bit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I also love that Tim carries his stuff in a garbage bag. Oh, I know. Like, I love that oh when, he God, pull, when the bus just... pulls up and he just takes a garbage bag out of the back. And then when he leaves, when he graduates, he just has his garbage, garbage bag. bag. And that's it's the just a great thing. metaphor. It's, like it's just great. change. Yeah. I'm not buying a duffel bag. Yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Well, that's it's like the, great. The thing that I I loved about the beginning, the before we went to Cornwall part, is like this is a movie about, or it's not a movie about, but this is this group of people. They're dirt bags. Yeah, they're like dirt bags, but they're not. Yeah, they are caricatures, little... right? Like dirt bags are people too, and they're the kind of guys. <laughs> they're the kind of guys who go out to the disco, but they're not going to go to the. Go, they're getting yeah. high in the corner. They get in the car. They bring the girl in the middle of yep. the car. They smoke it up to the point where they can't see it anymore. Yep. They, they're in their dirty houses drinking their like crappy liquor and getting high. But, and and I've been to parties like that. I My friends weren't dirt bags, but like I know those dirt bags and I yeah. find dirt bags interesting. Well, so, like drugs, I don't actually think is a dirt bag. He hangs out with dirt bags. The other guys dirt are dirt bags. bags. But he seems like, I, I mean, his letter, which I was, we're sort of at that point where the letter right. is found, um, is really heartfelt. Like I think he he's writing him a letter saying, "Like I miss, miss you, you man." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. And here's what's been happening while you've been gone. 
Uh, he just happens to have stuff like eat shit, man, mixed in. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to the dean reading that letter, yeah, so interspersed with drugs, writing the letter yeah. is like it's, it's fantastic. opera. I mean, it's beautiful. And then, like later, when you know, I'm skipping way ahead, but when yeah. the dean comes to tell him that drugs has been killed in a car yeah. accident, like the dean is ashen. Mm-hmm. Like he just looks like it's almost like he knew drugs, Delaney, and like he knows how important this friend is to this kid, and like. That to me was a rare glimpse of like an administrator who does have a soul. Who's mm-hmm. like, I know this kid is a total fuck up. I he can barely spell or write his own name, but like he, but you loved him, mm-hmm. and and the dean kind of loved him. <laughs> like yeah, he had I mean, to have because the yeah. letter is so endearing. You it's know? yeah, really great. Yeah, it's really great. This, he passes out in the middle of it. And I then, mean, like, and then and then when going. you see like. Tim Dunphy like sinking down in his chair and they don't and the, move the, the camera. camera. That's fantastic. And yeah. he just like falls out of the bottom of the frame yeah. because he's so mortified that this is happening. Uh, there's a postscript <laughs> <laughs> that you might be interested right. in. What is um, it? It's great. Yeah. Oh God, it's so funny. Someone's stink fingered bunny. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wrote I wrote it down. But. Oh, it's it's, it's fantastic. Perfect. It's fantastic. It's absolutely perfect. Mousy said he stink fingered bunny Cody. And he, he gives some face that's like. Eh. It's fantastic. It's so good. But yeah, so he gets to to Cornwall and he's just, you know, he's sort of staggering through it. You know, he's he's clearly in way over his head academically and doesn't really have a way out. Um, And, you know, again, it's not until, you know, he meets Jane and they get involved and she sort of says to him, like, this isn't just about, like, getting into college. This isn't just about, like, getting through it. She's mm-hmm. like, I really want to learn. I really want to be yeah. like an educated person yeah. simply for the sake of being an educated person. And it's like, again, it's that maternal role. It's like, she's sort of giving him a message that, and I ideally in an ideal world, your mother would give you that message yep. to say like, this isn't just about getting through it. Just like, it's not about just getting through life and getting through the day to day. It's like, sort of stopping to enjoy things and stopping to realize like, oh, I just learned something amazing. And like, you know, his sort of putting in the effort towards the end of the year and kind of being inspired by her. Again, it's like, there's a certain, you knew it was going to happen, but it's, when it happens, it's not like all of a sudden he's getting eight. It's not flowers for Algernon. Suddenly he's a genius. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, he's just kind of like, oh yeah, if I kind of put my mind to this, I could maybe get like a B or a B plus. And he does. And he's so proud. He's so happy. Like he's so happy when he knows the answer to something. And like, it's beautiful. It is. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very earnest movie. Like it's, it's, I have a question. Yes. I think we're all in agreement. This is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm tempted to kind of say it's, basically a perfect movie. I don't mean it's a great, I don't mean like it's one of the best movies ever made, mm-hmm. but like it's pretty much like there, there's nothing to pick apart here and the emotions are in the exact right place. It's not too flashy. It is kind of proof that you don't have to do too much story-wise if you nail characters, which I think <laughs> they did. Yeah. Why is this movie only 51% of Rotten Tomatoes? How did people not see that? Well, I think, I mean, where, 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 where why was this so I think- dismissed? Well, because I think part of it is that you know, the Bailey brothers were not critical darlings. I mean, their three previous comedies were raunchy movies that but a I lot think of people they did, did. I think they did really well with critics. Maybe not. I, I, you Kingpin, can look, you can Kingpin look it was on Siskel's top 10 list. It was. 
I know that. Uh, but I don't Maybe know about the other like ones. Bowling. I, I just, I mean, and by the way, this might have got a great review from Siskel for all we know. Yeah. I, I, I think that part of it is those guys were not loved by critics. So there's going into it that way. And then I don't know. There's maybe there's also if those guys were loved by critics and then the critics saw this movie and they were like, wait, what are I you thought doing? you were yeah. giving me something yeah. about Mary. What's this like right. sweet That's little coming something. of age bullshit. So there's that. Also, I think this movie might have suffered in being held up against Rushmore, which I believe came out 98 in 98. Yeah. So shortly, I mean, which is sort of in many ways, Rushmore and this movie have so much in common, like not, in terms of tone, because yeah. Rushmore is really arch yeah. and like not in terms of like sincerity and whatever. I mean, Rushmore is like, I mean, I love Rushmore. Rushmore is a work of art. Rushmore is a work that, of that art. This isn't and never right. could this, be or tried to be. Rushmore is yeah. like the oil painting and this oh, is yeah. like a pencil drawing. Yeah. 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 So like, I think because Rushmore already existed like this, I, I could, wouldn't have been able to help holding that up as sort of a yardstick to like against this where it's like, okay, so you've got, version of this that's out there Mm -hmm. that is so contoured and that is so sophisticated and that's so like, you know, down to the last detail. Mm -hmm. And then this shaggy dog next to it, it's like, (laughs) it's sort of like, well, you're okay. So this is basically that, but minus, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's like eating a really delicious steak at a steak restaurant and then like going home and trying to make your own steak. It's like, it's still steak. Okay. Right. Or getting like, like a, like a, like a Philly cheesesteak. Can we bring it back to Philly? Yes. So something like that. That's not steak. It's not steak. <laughs> well, it's like beef. You guys want to guess the the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for the three previous Fairly movies? Sure. All right. Dumb and Dumber. 28. 70. 67. <gasps> wow. Okay. Kingpin. That's going to be high. I don't know. 68. 50. 50. Wow. Gucci. No. Um, I'm a savant. You guys didn't. Wow, didn't know I had that no about idea. You. Very impressive. You know, I also won my March Madness pool. I just want to go on. Just oh wow! Congratulations. There you yeah. go. It's a tough year. Villanova. Um, some, something about Mary. Seventy-eight. Eighty-two. Emily, this is sick. What? It was eighty-three. Wow! <gasps> Out of three, did, movies? I you, wow. did I tell you that I'm a that I'm a <laughs> run to be you know, like I'm like a witch doctor. We're doing another one. We're doing one more. I mean, let's be myself and Irene. That's, I don't think, I mean. That's got to be a lot harder. I'm going to say 53. 65. You lost it. 47. Oh, too bad. I never saw that movie. Um, So, here's the thing. That was amazing. You just did. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I mean. Three movies, you missed out a grand total by four points. That's impossible. I am a That's rotten amazing. tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who Fresh. Knew? Certified. Uh, I love the- uh, for me just for fun. What's that? Look up hindsight for me just for fun. <laughs> oh, boy. I know the answer to this question, but I'll do it for you. It's my favorite show ever, so you can, you can give a, a, fresh, oh, wow. a fresh for me in case it's not great. It's fresh for just for me. Mm, oh, would you look at that 100%. Would you what? look at that? It's a hundred What is it? Every so often, I just like go you want to and talk about high side a little feeling bit. Really low. The hundred percent on Rod's face. hundred. Don't think I don't mention that in all of my meetings. And that's, it's like I, just, I. That's amazing. Sometimes that's amazing. I try to find a way. I, I mean, I don't. How many things have a hundred percent on there? 
Can't be many. Uh, it's this, Toy Story 2, and that's the list. Yeah. <laughs> and Lady Bird. <laughs> and Lady Bird. <laughs> that's amazing. We did have some really nice reviews. We did. You know, it was the best. It was the best. best. We had so much. Fun. We had so much fun. I I, I feel don't like doubt I haven't it. gotten the chance to like tell everybody how we met. Please tell. I feel like yes, because it's a good story. Well, we feel you should have asked the biographer. I did. Information. I didn't we, know, got we got right in. We got right into it. We got right into it. It's actually it's actually a great story. Let's hear it. I, I totally hear it. agree. Kenny and I met on the and he the, he knows the players. He the knows tarmac. Adam at least. Wait, what? We met on the tarmac at the San Diego airport. We met on the bus. The bus? There, so we right, were the going, bus to the We were going plane. to Adam Weinstein's wedding. We were going to Adam's wedding. wedding. Adam's okay. my cousin. Yes. Adam is her cousin, okay. and Adam is married to a good friend of Laura's, but I've known Adam for 10 years, too, and I okay. love Adam. And Emily and I did not know each other, but we both booked really stupid tickets to Mexico. Peter booked it, but yeah. <laughs> we booked tickets through San Diego to Mexico. Okay. So we're both on flights out of a layover in San Diego, and there's a bus within San Diego from the domestic to the international terminal, and we're sitting across, and Laura re- recognized you from, from the bridal shower. Bridal shower, and like the four of us just hit it off, and just became. We spent the whole weekend hanging out <laughs> at this amazing. wedding. So fun. We all went down without any kids to Punta Mita for the weekend mm-hmm. for this crazy wedding, where all the girls, all the bridesmaids cut off the bottom of their dresses and jumped in the pool. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow. Bacch- it was a Bacchanalian celebration. Okay. It was, it was like, really great. I was still drinking. Oh, you were? I was drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and like Every- my whole, my family was down there. Amazing. So it was like, we were. It was a, great. It was a great And we wedding. just became like friends. Yeah. And then we became, I became her employee. Well. <laughs> um, okay. Viacom's employee. Yes, I, like get by, I, was, yes. I was your right, but that yes, it was it was it's your, it, it was the coolest way to make make a friend because it was like it was a very really natural. Cool. Yes, but then I so but fun. we were st- I mean, how much? It wasn't that much. That many was that the same year? Like they got married in June of. I think it was a year and a half later. Year and a half later, I think it was okay. a year and a half later. Like because we started in like January, right, or March or February. We start. We started hindsight in January, February. I think we actually started maybe this March summer. No, yeah, it was like, wasn't it? No, because we I, started filming in September. So we, I think we started in May or June, and I met you in the spring. I missed staffing season because of it, which was great. That's great. Yes. Yeah. No. No. We put our staff together in March, and you oh, had, and I had read your script, Appetite, which I love. Oh, thank you. And then you came in to meet, and yeah, we were putting together sort of our dream team. And, you know, VH1 at first was like, well, you can hire one co-EP and one staff writer and that's it. And we were like, mm, that's not going to work. <laughs> so no. So that's a no from us. So we'll walk. You're like, well, we were just, I love, one of my favorite things to do is call people's bluff. So I was like, <laughs> that's not going to work. So then we ended up and they were like, well, what's your dream team? And we were like, this person, this person, this person. And it was like, we went through it and they were like, do it. And that's exactly, yeah. what, that was how it worked out. It was, and it was a dream. It was it the was, best. It was the best. It's we had really, so much fun. I can't talk about hindsight too much because it's the saddest thing. I get really we're sad. We're not still there. <laughs> I get really sad. Yes. Um, but. Let's move on. Let's, but just, just to reiterate that I got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and that's, let's just. There you go. That's yep. great. Yeah. That's we great. did it. Yeah. Um, so, outside of Providence. Yeah. Um, I. One of the things I loved was the organics of Tim hitchhiking back to school into Jane's parents' car. 
the fact that mm-hmm. he's hitchhiking and that's how he gets to have this one-on-one time with Jane to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I just, they, Sean Hattesey and Amy Smart, they feel like real kids in the backseat of that car. Like you really feel them as kids. Cause you don't. Being in the backseat of your parents' car with a girl you're a interested girl. in. Well, a boy you might be interested in, but yes. Whatever. Yeah. With a person you're interested yes, in. Yeah. Um, is a really unique feeling that I've really never seen on film other, outside of this. I just love him giving her an open Coke bottle with some booze in it. And just, I don't know. It felt, it's it just, I don't know. It yeah. felt re- very real and very. It's one of the most romantic scenes. It's a very endearing, very romantic scenes. Movie history where he just, and she sips that bottle and yeah. she's like, Bleh. what is this? Yeah. And then she's like, oh my God, this is the coolest dude I've ever met. Yeah. Like he's. Hitchhiking yeah. back to school, and he's got an open bottle of booze in his pocket, and we're literally drinking rum and cokes with my parents two inches away, uh-huh. and we're getting away with it. That's great. Like it's, I mean, it's exhilarating. Well, they they make the they make the joke. They call him Fonzie at one point. Yeah, but there's nothing Fonzie Fonzie-ish no. about this guy. I agree. Mm-mm. Everything is very natural, and um, he's just he's just cool by being cool. Like, I love that about this. Yeah. I can't figure, like, that's what I mean. Like, I the can't discrepancy, figure out, I, I don't really get it either on the critics' side. I can't figure out why this movie isn't, like, almost considered a classic. It's a I mean, nice, yeah, I, simple, I, don't, I don't know what the what the ding against it was by critics, quite honestly, but, I mean. Because, and it handled, like, some really serious shit. Yeah. Really, yeah, really I, delicately. I and, bet if they watched it again today, they would have a different reaction. It's well, a lot more nuanced. In a, yeah, yeah. I didn't it necessarily context. Yeah, yeah, I didn't necessarily expect you, Phil, to have the reaction you're having. Okay. I was like nervous. I mean, this is essentially like, you know, we pick, we're going to do every movie in 1999. So, you know, we're doing it. But this is a movie that I've been writing for the whole time. You have been. You have been. So I've been a little nervous. But after watching, I'm like, there's no way he's not going to like it. Like, I just thought you'd be like, maybe you'd be like, blah, or whatever about it. No, I mean, I think it's, but, I think it's a very, I think it's a very sweet movie. Uh, it's got some really great lines in it. Um, I also, I was just, looking at my notes about how like I love the autumnal quality of it. Mm-hmm. I love that there's lots mm-hmm. of sweaters and lots of leaves on the ground and it just feels very sort of inviting and very warm. You want to be there. You really do. Right. It made, it, it made the, me think of Wonder Boys, which is one of my favorite yeah, movies. Yeah, it it's does. Amazing. Yeah. Um, which I adore and it has that sort of collegiate, you know, that collegiate kind of quality and everyone's just sort of like running to class and has, you know, sweaters on and I don't know. I love all of that. It You're right. Made, and it's very authentic because you know I care about like authenticity and mm-hmm. fashion. Like That's super important to me. That like if you're doing a period movie, like do your yeah. homework, own it, yeah. And like it, they all really looked like it. They, it looked like the seventies. It did, and mm-hmm. mostly, you know, I was mostly looking at her, yep, because that's where they mess it up the most. Um, but she has a, look, I mean, her Amy Smart's look is sure her face is so feline mm-hmm. that it makes her look sort of. She sort of has a classic. It's sort of a timeless face. Like she could kind of be, yeah. you kind of believe her in any, she has a bit of that, like. The I same believe her thing. most in the seventies. Yeah. She's definitely like in real life, I think it's like a yeah. Tanga hippie. So like she yeah. definitely reads mm-hmm. that like laid back, you know, I don't, this is, I don't have a stitch of makeup on. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything. And I just look like this. You know, it's but fun. like, yeah. it's, but the light I think did a lot of like just the natural light yeah. in where they were filming, you can so tell that they didn't film this at UCLA and pretend that it was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And how was, about that, like Florida stuff? Oh, yeah, Florida. how romantic is that? You know, because it's, it's the one thing that's not autumn. Yeah, obviously it is, but it doesn't feel like it. And um, 
Yeah, it's, it's it's so sweetly romantic. It's so simply romantic. I I love how not showy the movie is. How yeah, it just depends on the chemistry between these two actors. Yeah, I mean, I I think also uh, to your point about the period elements, you know, to talk about Dick again, which takes place at the same time, but we talked about how Dick felt like it wasn't rubbing your face in the period. Like yes, it was very brightly colored and sure all of those things, and but it didn't feel like a movie that was. It wasn't Austin Powers. It wasn't making fun of period. It was embracing it. Mm-hmm. And no, this movie is totally was... different, but equally doesn't rub your face in the period. It feels lived in. It feels yeah. like it just I mean, happens to take place then. Dick was very like the 70s through a 90s lens. Sure. And they were definitely playing up the like the revival of a lot of sure. 70s looks yeah. in the 90s. Sure. So like they were doing stuff where I would have been like, if we'd done that on hindsight, it would have been like, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah. this is not. Right. Don't. I can't, I don't want to see anything in here that's new. Mm-hmm. Like everything, you got to go to mm-hmm. a thrift store and yeah. pick it out of a bin. Yeah, yeah. And it has to look real. Yeah. And that's this, especially the sets on this felt so real. Yeah. And like the corduroy blazers and like the. It's a smart thing about setting it yeah. at a prep school like this because those places haven't changed yeah. in 200 years. Right. It also limits, yeah. you know. Your, your visual mm-hmm. contingency as well to a certain extent. Right, and I like that we like never saw Jane Weston's parents' house. Yeah, you I know, agree. She described it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm so glad that it wasn't like a big center hall colonial. Like it was just, that would have been so. Yeah. It would have been lame. Cliche yeah. and like, oh, the princess. And now mm-hmm. this is goodbye Columbus. I wouldn't have Thanks wanted to go there. I, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, we now have Irving telling Tim about the fraternity and why they call him Jizz and all of that. But what I love is that after Tim has a great line where he says 99% of guys jerk yeah. off and like 4% of girls do. Which I I think and, he, and he claims he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, not me. Yeah, not I me. don't. Yeah, but like fantastic. a lot of guys do. And like 4% of basically all girls. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Uh, and then we have the scene with the dads and the whole homosexuality thing, which is great. You know, it's, it's great. a great scene. That, that that they milk. Yeah. yeah. They really let us feel what George wants yeah. feeling. Yeah. They really let you stew in it. Like they, yeah. they make you sit there and watch this thing. And it like it's uncomfortable, but it's also not like there's a tension to it that, you know, that you're feeling between these guys. But then like it ends with him leaving and but, you're like, but fuck. They, but they but kicked them out too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it again, like it's just it's perfectly on point. Yep. They don't beat him up. Like a worst movie would. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. They don't immediately accept him like a right. worst movie would. Yeah. They're as mean as they could possibly meet be, be while still being believable. Right. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, it's crushing. Yeah. You assume this guy's their friend for 30 years. Yeah. So, but they do a good job. You know, they bring him, they, they bring him back. They get a good joke out of it. They're able to like, it just goes yeah. to show that these guys, there's nothing that a joke can't mend. Right. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. there isn't something that 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 they won't find some sort of commonality in and that, you know. But I, that, you know. I like that you never see a scene where they make peace with him. Me just too. Back. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And like a worse movie would have had oh, like some, the yeah. reconciliation or they're having some like, I don't know, 
Yeah, come to Jesus, come or to Je- right, or like one of them got saved by a yeah. gay guy at right. like, five or, like or one something. Of them gets yeah. cancer yeah. and yeah. is dying. Yeah. Whatever. It's like it's so good that they don't do that. It's like he's just back, and you can fill in the blanks. It's like use your imagination. You know what happened. Yep. I can hear the story being told by one of them. You know, like twenty years later, mm-hmm. I had this friend who came out as gay, and initially, like we hated him. We couldn't stand being around him. But then, like, we talked about it. Big Figured deal. It we out. knew him forever. And, like, yeah. we just invited him back to poker. He became yeah. one of the guys again. Big deal. Right. Like, that's how it would have happened. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's mm. what's beautiful about it. Totally. Uh, Tim makes a deal with Jane that if she comes to Pawtucket with him and meet his friends, he'll start to really study with her, mm-hmm. which she agrees to. Um, and she hangs out with his friends and, mm. and with the dirt bags. Dirt bags. And, and he brings Irv, Irv back too. Who pukes on him. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Because someone gives him the quaalude. Yeah. And then yeah. he gets really sick. Yeah. It's pretty good movie puke, too. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Most yeah. feels pretty terrible. But yeah. 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 Well, they, it's a little trick. They cut from a tighter shot to a wider shot. So they get the two pukes that looks like a one big stream of puke. <laughs> there's a multiple camera. Yeah, because yeah. there's only so much puke an actor can keep in his mouth. It's true. Without having say, to do the, having yes. to do the stupid thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Tim and Jane go to Pawtucket, he starts to study with her. He starts doing better in school. Uh, and then we have the amazing scene that we were talking about earlier with, uh, with Tim and his dad at the bar talking about the mom's suicide, talking about... You know, the, the scene in the bar is great. It's the scene outside the bar yeah. Yeah. when he really starts to tell him, like, your mom was mentally ill and she was breaking my heart and she wouldn't leave her house and we never went out. Like, you know, the the real hardships of being married to someone who is, you know, emotionally or mentally unstable. Uh, and you really start to hear him breaking and you start to sort of really see just how heartbroken he was by the entire thing. Like, it. what I loved about it was that the... And I'm, I'm sure we've all been in situations like this to some extent where as a kid, you don't know the whole story and you just see this little point of view that allows you to judge one of your parents, both of your parents, who knows, and that he thought that that divorce thing was very binary and to have that sort of opened up to him, I think, is obviously a game changing moment in this relationship between the two of them. It's really lovely. Yeah, it's an incredible scene. It is. I mean, it's almost like it feels like you're in a play. Yeah. It just has such an immediacy to it. And it's just, it's, and he really, again, it's like with many of these scenes, he just like lets it live. And like, it's and all of it's like, you know, sort of broken glory, right? It's like, this isn't, this, it doesn't feel like a movie scene. It feels like you just stumbled upon an actual conversation happening in a parking lot. Yep. Like that everything about it feels real, even though it is so expository and mm-hmm. even though it's Which is like, okay at this point. It's okay yeah, to be confessional like, at that yeah. point, you right. know? And it's like, he's, he's. Bearing him, and this is a man who cannot bear anything. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, but then look at his life. He's got these two kids to raise. One of them is in a wheelchair. We don't really know what happened to that kid or when, but it's mm-hmm. clearly happened on his watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we, I for, you know, he's, he's barely making the ends meet, but more than that, it's like he's not, he, no one's talked yeah. about anything yeah. yep. in 10 years. And it's like suddenly it's like Pandora's box and it just yeah. like the top flies off. And I, yeah, it's an extraordinary it's scene. It's a really beautiful scene. Like, yeah. Alec Baldwin obviously has really iconic movie scenes, mm-hmm. but they're doing the Alec Baldwin thing. Yeah. Right? Like always be closing. Right. Yeah. We'll live forever. Yeah. I think this is the best scene he's ever done. I think it's the yeah. only time I've ever seen him emotionally vulnerable. I think it's the only character he's played who can be emotionally vulnerable. That's interesting. Um, it's so unexpected. Yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely I absolutely love it. I think He does something yeah. really 
there's something actually inside the bar before they go outside that I love where he asks his son for a hug. And he's like, oh, you're too, you're too good to give your, hug, your dad a hug or something like that. And he doesn't get, and, and you know, listen, he's a teenager, you know, pushing away their parents, whatever. But the maybe sort of, it made me want to go hug my son. Like it's, it is that just yeah. that, it's that kind of thing where like you feel very lucky yeah. that you have that yeah. you know and I, it's true. Well, there's a vulnerability to it. There's a courage that is required of this character to do that because we have not seen up until this point him show any sort of emotion like that. And then he immediately kind of falls back into the pattern of the way he was after that. I mean, the scene they have the next morning when he's leaving. Right. He's not like okay, I'll drive you to school. Yeah, he's, he's like, like thumbs yeah. up, yeah. like. And it's kind. Of, I loved that too because it was like, yeah, nothing, we're everything's the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, whatever. I buried my soul in a parking lot. You yeah. still dildo. By the way, he had, had yeah. at least four martinis in the previous yeah, scene, and yeah. just gets yeah. in his car, and drives, drives off. Away. Um, there is uh, there's a scene before, like that night. Um, Tim goes to meet his buddies, or sorry, my apologies. He goes to the cemetery mm-hmm. to see his mother's grave, and he's sleeps mm-hmm. i'm assuming on her grave Falls asleep there. what i what i love about that is in the earlier scene way back at the beginning of the movie uh when they're hanging out by the water tower uh drugs and him mm-hmm. are chatting in the cemetery he's leaning up against a tombstone and at that moment i didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. but then to have the callback to mm-hmm. it here and to have that sort of mirroring and that symmetry of like this this cemetery hangs looms large in this movie you just don't realize it mm-hmm. until until he comes back to it in, yeah. a, in a silent scene later on which is lovely um and then he has this scene with his dad his dad has a great line where he says sex is like chinese dinner it ain't over till right. you both get your cookies <laughs> which is fantastic which oh is God. like weirdly like progressive greatest, i know <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the greatest line. sex yeah. talk yeah and then what it's was the other line. thing he was like don't get don't get your little girlfriend in yeah, trouble it yeah. was like he had some yeah. other really funny line that was yeah. like well, i don't know yeah it's, you gotta you don't forget to like yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, don't forget yeah. to wrap it up yeah yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. like that it was something yeah. really like and then like he just leaves his dad just just you know watching TV and I actually I thought that was going to be the last time we saw him not that I didn't like him picking him up at the school at the end which was very nice and and it's happier but also pretty funny also very funny yeah. but but there is it there is a more melancholy version of the end of this movie right where we leave Jane at that campfire and the dad doesn't come and pick him up it's not as funny but it's probably the more believable version of this do you know what i mean to some extent yeah i mean i guess i loved i love him coming back i mean i love the dad coming but he like doesn't come to the ceremony he just comes to pick him up up. yeah and but that he brought that letter he's like you got into college he's really proud he's so happy (laughs) well you know he's i mean he says he all right so yeah. Not to jump to the end, but we're we're, we're pretty much, much there. there. Yeah. He brings in the letter saying he got into junior college, and and Dumpf is like, everyone gets in. All you got to do is apply. Yeah, and he immediately is like, well, you took the. He says you, you took the, the initiation. initiation. <laughs> you you, you took that. the initiation to fill out yeah. the application. And I love that that glass half full. Mm-hmm. Look at it, yeah. and from that character in that moment, he really it really shows as much as anything that he's proud of his son. There's yeah. a lot of. Funny mispronunciations of things. I'm a oh, big yeah. fan of that shit. That oh, was uh, always uh, so funny. The malapropisms yeah. are great. They're, they're so there's in the scene. It's like that, Little Carmine on Sopranos would always have that. It was <laughs> so funny. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, during the campfire scene, he's and he says, "I don't want to be high. I want to. I want to s- savior this." Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is just great. Like it's, it's stuff like that. Great. that yeah. And she's so like sweet about yeah. it. She's, she's like, like, okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what a great scene was? It was one in the beginning montage when they're hanging out, which like you really do kind of fall for them during yeah. that montage. She's calling him Jim in yeah. the beginning. Yes. He goes, okay, Betty. She's like, Betty. What? He's like, Tim. Tim. Yeah. He's so cool. Yes. Like another character doesn't ever correct her or is a bitch about it. Yeah. Right. And he's just like, gives it back to her. Yeah. You know, right. I think that's like. And that's when they're like, they're smoking up on like a, a like tractor a trailer. Tractor yeah. trailer. It's just stuff like that that just, again, feels real, feels like a real place. You could see kids really doing this. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, and the wide shots are really nice. It's got just, again, like a real sense of place. It really feels like a real place. It's, yeah. it's, it's really well done. Um, I want to talk about his heroism. Please. In the Oh my god, yeah, the scene with the dean. The scene with the dean yeah. who's inexplicably British. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, you know, ethic. all deans well, are. All deans yeah. of, well, of yeah. Brown University. Yeah. And I love that they always refer to it as Brown University. Yeah. Like even she calls it Brown University. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can It's called Brown. We can just call Can we just call it Brown? Okay, <laughs> fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but she uh, you know, so there's this plot point where the you know, a bunch of the stoners are hanging out in one of the guy's rooms and um, Wheeler, who's the, you know, sort of the tall, blonde, floppy haired man of my dreams, whatever. Um, <laughs> he he leaves and he, we see him pause outside of Funderburk's office yep. um, and he sort of glances at the payphone on the wall and he glances at Funderburg's office door. And then you cut away. And then the next thing you know, Funderburg is has busted all the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Dumpf has seen Jane Weston outside his window. She's come to find him. And he's like, well, come up. She's like, no, you come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, you come up. And so she comes up. And like she's sitting there with all these stoners who are getting drunk and high in this room. And she's definitely not allowed to be here. And she's definitely not <laughs> right. allowed to be smoking pot and drinking. And so, you know, and I just thought about all the, like, narrow escapes that we've all had, like, where we've been somewhere we shouldn't be, doing something we shouldn't be doing, and we, by the grace of God, didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, in this one moment, she gets caught, and Dumpf, like, gives it to Funderburk in a way. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I guess now I'm busted. So you're going to kick me out, so I might as well tell you what I think of you, you— Right. dickhead, right? Right, right? Like, right. he just goes after him because he's like, well, now I got nothing to lose. And Thunderbird's like, I'm, you, you know, you can't speak to me like that. This is, this is not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. And so Thunderbird knows, like, the one thing that Dumpf really cares about is the girl. Yeah. And she becomes the sacrificial lamb. All the other kids get off. They get, like, including probation, Dumpy. including Dumphy. Yep. But then they kick out Jane. Yep. And Jane's acceptance to Brown University is revoked. <laughs> and then Dump, is it after he, I forget what it is that inspires him to go to, well, is he back for drugs? Is, so then drugs is killed in this car accident. Mm-hmm. Yes. He goes back to Pawtucket for this funeral where yes. he realizes that all and of his friends goes, are idiots. And that's when he goes back And to he the decides and he goes yeah. to the campus mm-hmm. and there's this wonderful scene with the secretary outside the dean's office. That's great. Where he's like, I need to speak to the dean. It's an emergency. And she's like, well, you need an appointment. He's like, no, you don't understand. It's an emergency. And she's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You need an appointment. Yeah. So he ends up like throwing himself against the window of this guy's office because he can see that the guy's just sitting at his desk, like doing nothing. Uh-huh. And he 
goes over. The guy opens the window and is like, what do you want? And he's like, I have to speak to you. It's urgent. It's about Jane Weston. And the guy says, okay, come on in. And he walks away expecting this person to walk around to the front of the building and come in through his office. And instead, Dump just like launches himself <laughs> through the window and falls on the floor like yeah. Don Quixote. Like he's yeah. nuts. Yeah. yeah. And this dean well, is like, I mean, like, you like are like, Romeo. Yeah. Right. Like you are, yeah. you're nuts. <laughs> like what is this? What are you? Okay, you better tell you're, me. You're, you're right. nuts, but like, just like, you know, the dean is charmed by that drugs letter. Like, right. these guys have a charm to them. They do. You know, yeah, like, he's like, he, he knows he's not brown material, but yeah. he's taken by this guy. Right. And yeah. he's like, this doesn't happen to me every day that mm-hmm. some kid like, like hurdles himself through my window to defend <laughs> the honor of a girl. Like, yeah. this is, it's romantic. It's mm-hmm. this hugely romantic, heroic gesture. And he just, commits to it so fully and so passionately. You don't really like, they don't, they cut away. You don't really see what it is that he says, but you can tell like, he's just telling the truth. Yeah. Like she's my girl. Like I told her to come upstairs. She didn't need to do that. She's such a, you know, she inspires me, whatever, like whatever Mm -hmm. it is that he says, it gets them to rescind the rescinded acceptance. Like they've, they've offered it to her again. Mm -hmm. And he knows now that, even if their relationship never goes anywhere, and even if like, you know, the the differences between their lifestyles or whatever, you know, kind of ultimately do them in, he's he's done something heroic for someone that he loved. And like it's mm-hmm. it's it's something he could never do for his own mother because he was too young. Yeah. Um, but he was able to do it for her. He was able to sort of like give her something that no one else could give her. Yeah. No one else was going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, no one at Cornwall Academy was going to do that. You know, everyone else is so hampered by their social restrictions. And it's like, oh, well, we would never want to cross the school and we would never do this. We don't do that. And he's like, what do you mean? Right. Why not? Mm-hmm. Like he's just questioning, 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 like questioning authority, questioning the rules, questioning the restrictions. Yeah. Because he comes from a like this. I mean, I don't want to say he comes from a land of no rules because he doesn't. He comes from a mm-hmm. land of a lot of rules, but they're just different. Yeah. You know, and they're yeah, not so that. uptight. I mean, except for when they are. But it's just like, he's sort of <laughs> like, well, I don't understand your rules. This is stupid. Right. You know, we should totally hitchhike to Florida. <laughs> you know, he's just like, that's what, it, that's a thing people can do. Yeah. And I think she's, everyone's entranced by him. I'm kind of curious. I like, I finished watching the movie again this weekend and I thought like, I wonder what happened to Tim Dunphy. Like, I kind of just want the best for him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that is the thing. Like by the end of the movie, he obviously you know he graduates, even though he doesn't shake uh, Thunderbird's hand mm-hmm. when he gets his right. He just uh, like gets his flips diploma. his tassel. He just like, flips his tassel and you. says "fuck you." Goodbye. Grabs his garbage bag and leaves. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it's it's kind of a it's a you know it's a kind of melancholy feeling. But then he goes outside, and his dad's there, his brother's there. I'm assuming the dog is there. I think the dog was there. I don't Can't remember. Was there. Oh, probably. But, uh, and all of a sudden you're just like, it's, I think it's going to be okay for this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that you can't ask for anything more, you know what I mean, than that from a character that you followed and gone on this journey with and it's a coming of age thing and you hope that, you know, he comes out of it smarter and, and, and a better person. And I don't mind that he doesn't, you, we don't end with a reconciliation. That's with true. A visual, with a visual reconciliation between him and Jane because I mean, I put it in my notes. This is a first love movie, yeah. you know, and the the feelings that they're feeling 
That's very true. Aren't necessarily like forever love. Yeah. This is like right. we're learning how to do this together. Um, and everyone had their first love, and 99% of those ended. So um, I don't know. I, I, as a coming-of-age movie, I think it really worked out well. I also like that didn't end in some breakup because that always kind of sits. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's, a very, that's a very pessimistic way to look at a first love, too. You know, these things have to end. No, I agree. I mean, he does seem, I mean, even just in the voiceover that Tim has after that campfire scene, you know, it's like we made plans to see each other on the, you know, over the summer or something like that. Like it feels like a butt dot, 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 you know, that there's sort of an ellipse there, which gives you the impression that these two probably didn't end up together. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that's the way it should be. We should be left wondering, you know. Some yeah, people think I mean, maybe they do. Some people might not. I think everyone goes away to college. Like anyone who had a high school love or sweetheart, you know, they know it doesn't, I mean, they end, mm-hmm. that ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say 99%, I'm like, 99.999, but it's just, and I, you know, I didn't, I did not have that experience, but I, I saw a lot of people around me where mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, we're going to try and keep it up and right. I'll be here and they'll be there. And it's just like, it kind of either it fizzles or it goes out with a big, like, sort of volcanic meltdown or whatever it is. But like with the two of them, it's like fundamentally like their relationship was such a beautiful friendship. Like that was what he was saying to his friends. He's like, I haven't even, I'm not sleeping with her. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, you don't, it wasn't just the two of them making out all the time. Yeah. It was like, they're playing Frisbee. They're that like, was a very kids. small part of it actually. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. even think they, they didn't, didn't yeah. even have like a moment where they're like, it's like, and say anything where it's like, we're finally going to do it in the backseat yeah. of this car. Yeah. Like they didn't even have that. It's true. This is you know? close to say anything. Yeah, it's got a lot. It, yeah, it shares a it lot is. of DNA. That's why I yeah. never thought about it until right now. But it, it does. It has that same kind of feel. It doesn't sure. feel as. It, it say anything's amazing, and and a lot of that is that there's a desperation to both those characters mm-hmm. to sure. find somebody at that moment yes, to yes, cling yes. To, yes. to to, to latch craft. on to. Yeah, right. Yeah. And those characters might have stayed together actually. Right. Um. Because they were both so adrift, especially Ione Sky. Yeah. This character's made, it's a little different. It's a little more representative of, I think, everyone's experience. Well, yeah. I mean, but, say anything, they're making a commitment to one another. The trip, you know, they overseas together. together. Yes. I mean, it's it's a different, it's a different animal. And there's also a a sort of Lloyd is just wants to be there with her. You know what I mean? Like it's he's well, he's he, willing to play, he's willing he's to fill a role yeah, exactly. for someone he thinks Which is, is a, a very a remarkable dynamic. person. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I, I I love that movie. Yeah, I love it too. But like, they're both such weirdos. And like, they also like, you know, she's, uh, the difference between Diane Court and Jane Weston is like, Jane Weston's so grounded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she is just so comfortable in her own skin. Yeah. Um, but not vain. Yeah. Yeah. Like at all. And she's. She knows what she wants. Too. She's yeah. She's that, she's very Diane determined. Really Diane, Cor- I mean, Diane Cor was a mess. Yeah. And she was a she was so nervous. Yeah. And like she and I loved her. Like this is not a criticism yeah, yeah, of Diane yeah. Court, but like you know, I feel like Jane was like this really earthy, grounded, kind of like serene person. She also wasn't broken in any way. No, not Where, really. Both of those characters, Lloyd, Lloyd and Diane, are very broken. I agree yeah. With that, yeah, and. Don't should be broken, and he's kind of not. Yeah, he's just. Yeah, I mean, Jane's Jane kind of has 
the thing about Jane is like she really is she's so tethered and that like I feel like what she like Tim Dunphy 20 years later looking back, you know, in his like living in his like nice little you know, he's got an apartment in the in like the back bay and he's got a job at, you know, Sun America or whatever. Like I feel like I'm envisioning his future where he's gone from junior college to University of Rhode Island and he's got, you know, just like has a nice life. He just has this yeah. really nice yeah. life and like Jackie lives with him and he's just like yeah. He's just like taking care of business. Yeah, and when he thinks about Jane Weston, he yeah. thinks like that was the girl. She like, she really, I turned my life around, but she was, she was like, she was a big part of the reason. And I doubt that he would look at her. And that's another reason I love the movie. I doubt he would look at her as the one who got away. No, that's not the feeling. I agree. I felt. It was I just a that. great chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As um, it should be. Those high school romances should be. Yeah. Absolutely. Should be a yeah. great chapter. Kids will never understand that in the moment, no. but that's what it is. Right. It should be totally. a great chapter. Absolutely. Right. Totally. Um, we should do zero, zero to 99. Yeah. Let's do it. yeah. Uh, you guys should go first since you saw it in 99. I did not. I'm going to go. Go ahead. 99. 65. Okay. Always liked this movie a lot. Um, didn't think it was particularly deep. Uh-huh. After watching the movie yesterday, I was up to a 75. Okay. Really loved it. I uh, thought it played better from an adult. Uh-huh. Honestly, after this conversation and like even like right now, yeah. comparing it to Say Anything, a movie that I've always considered one of my favorite movies ever, I think it's comparable. Uh-huh. Um, you, I'm surprised how high I'm like kind of ready to go, but I have nothing bad to say about this movie and I really love it. I think it's going to stick with me for a long time. I'm going to 87. Wow. I, I really, really, okay. truly love this movie. And if I, I felt like if I gave it anything like less than a very high grade, mm-hmm. I would just be doing it be, for, for the same kind of bullshitty reasons critics yeah. didn't seem to love it, which is it's not incredibly aspirational uh-huh. as a filmmaking exercise. Yeah. That's kind of the only bad thing I can say about it. So okay. Uh, okay. I put it right on, honestly, like right on par with, with say anything, like say anything, if I was to give that one, it would be above a 90. Like I just, yeah, it's yeah. such an important movie to me. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's pretty close. So. Emily? Um, I think when I first saw this movie, it just, it, it resonated with me for a variety of reasons. One, the world was so familiar to, I felt I was so um, entranced by that, the romantic friendship. Um, and I was, I remember, I've never laughed harder than when he was blowing the, the bomb, bomb. Yeah, and yeah. trying to convince his yeah. father it was a horn. Yeah. Like that, that at the time, this movie just like, it just plucked all the right strings. It was like, it just spoke to me like on a really deep level. And I don't think I was looking at it like in any kind of like really like harsh analysis of like, is this good filmmaking or is this, you know, I just wasn't thinking about any of that. I was mm-hmm. just, I was just taking things in. Sure. But I was like, okay, feed my soul. Show me what, show me how stories are told. Like, mm-hmm. and this between like the setting, you know, and I had gone, like I went to this, this just looked, all the backdrops looked familiar to me. All the people looked familiar. It felt authentic. I mean, I think at the time this was, this was in this was an 85 for me even at the time. And then okay. watching it again over this weekend, I was so struck by the scene, the scenes outside the bar with the father and son, things that I actually didn't even remember mm-hmm. from my first viewing of it. The only things I remembered were like, you know, sort of the look and feel and the kind of just coming away from it feeling like 
just warm and fuzzy inside, but not having realized how brilliant and incisive and ahead of its time that it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think my estimation may have even gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably after this conversation, it's <laughs> it's still up. So I would say after watching it, I think I was at about a 90. And I think I'm probably about still, maybe I'm going to go with like a 91.5. All right. This is the, I just thought high. this was a really, I just loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I put it in like a pantheon with a bunch of other movies from that era that I found so inspiring. It's a it's a really this is good the, movie. The big reveal, Phil. I'm, I'm yeah. It's and don't worry. It's I like, knew, you know, I knew we don't have to like, I knew yeah. that we loved it that much, but uh, I mean, as I said, I didn't really know what I was what I was about to sit down and watch. So I went in with preconceived notions just based on the Fairly Brothers alone. Which, and again, I like their movies, but I wasn't expecting much. If I'm being completely frank, um, it's a much richer, deeper movie than I ever expected it to be. Uh, and I love coming of age movies in general. I'm a big fan of that genre. Um, I'd say probably at like a 79 or an 80 is where I'm probably. Wow. But again, I also want to say that like. That's a very high number for you. It is a high number for me. I think that that's post this conversation. I'd say coming into this conversation, I was probably at a 75 or a 77, something in that vicinity. Mm -hmm. So I have gone up based on, uh, you know, what you guys were speaking of as well. So I, I think that it's, I mean, I don't. I don't know. There, there, there's a lot that stayed with me. It, it just, it, it felt very genuine and very heartfelt, as I said. And it had, uh, the mom stuff really kind of went to a darker place than I was expecting it. And that the cemetery stuff truthfully was what kind of sealed it for me of just being like, people put thought into this. This wasn't just, you know, a, a, we're going to do a coming of age thing and we're going to do some, you know, some, whatever jokes about you know, it. gross out gross yeah. out jokes or or just whatever it, it it felt like somebody really kind of put their heart in the script and took the time to tell a you know a, a real story so i appreciated that what a surprise <laughs> what a twist ending I don't know. Uh, no, I'm I'm really I'm really gratified that you loved it so much. That's yeah, no, I'm happy really that good. I'm happy that we got to share that. Yeah. There you go. So next week <laughs> I don't know, Phil. It's a huge movie, guys. Next, well... No, it's not. It is an Oscar-nominated movie. It is not. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't have been. A twice-Oscar-nominated movie. What was... Oh, did it get song, too? Sure did. Made in, made in sync Oscar nominees. Melissa Laura, <laughs> real thrilled about that. Uh, the, the movie is Music of the Heart. It is. It is Meryl Streep. It is... Wes Craven, the duo that you always expected to work together. Well... This is, this could not be less of a Wes Craven movie, and it, it and he would never been, do anything like this again. It would have been a really cool, would have been really cool to see Meryl Streep in a quote unquote Wes Craven movie. Yeah, um, and that would have happened today. I feel like oh yeah yeah that kind like a, of like thing, a horror movie. Yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing could have happened today. But, but back then in '99, you had Wes Craven <laughs> had to go real fucking softcore um, to do. I'm not sure softcore is the word I would have used to describe this movie, but. <laughs> No, it's, it's actually not. It's <laughs> softcore is too hardcore. It's true. Um, the, but we also have uh, a dynamic duo coming back. It's true. We, Our have, first we have an actual reason for you guys to turn in. Yeah, please tune into Music in the Heart because we have Melissa Laura and Corinne Steichman coming back of Notting Hill and Runaway Bride, Julia Roberts fame. Yeah, we had to bring the big guns for this one, guys. Yeah, because uh, otherwise I fear that no one would. I mean, even just the title makes you never want to watch this movie. It's an awful title. 
It's a really bad music of the heart is just. What are we it, doing? This is the worst show ever. <laughs> Tune in, guys. It's this a, is it's, what this is what podcasts like it's nineteen ninety nine is about. We do yeah. every single movie for you. This is so, what we do for you. <laughs> so come back, so next, come back week. next week. Uh, it's it's a great episode. It's one of our best episodes we've ever done. <laughs> we spent the whole time laughing and crying. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Please Let's tune in Music of the Heart next week with uh, with Melissa Laura and Corinne Spike. See you then. We got to go. Gotta All go. right. Thank you so much, Thank Emily. You, Emily. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, guys. Please come on so again. Yes. Fun. Whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, at the Duchess Foxy. No, I think, I don't know. I might have changed it. Okay. No, I, did, I didn't. At <laughs> that? At Pia Biscove. At Pia Biscove. On at Nybart. Oh, he's yeah. on Instagram as well. I am. At podcast like 1999. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Actually do it. Tell your friends. Thank Um, you so much. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you, Emily. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.